What is up, wrestling fans? No extended voice this week because I don't want to lose it. But you are still locked in to them boys from 607 Podcast talking all things pro wrestling because it is time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as hashtag 607TWS. Of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host here on 607TWS. I am also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich. And joining me in the co-pilot share as he does each and every week. But you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam. What is happening? What is going on? What is good right now? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Yes, yes, shall we shall talk some pro wrestling. Yes, I'm not doing any of the, the long holding because uh, the allergy season is upon us. Yes, this is true. <laughs> allergy and asthma, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to lose my voice and or just, yeah, shit the bed. So we're going to apologize for that. The, the yelling will come back after my allergies come back into uh, normal seasons. Yes. This damn weather change here in the Northeast. It's brutal, man. I'm, I'm hoping to make it through by the end of the week with a still a voice. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's got, we've got some long weeks coming up here uh, with everything we do in podcasting. Of course, we're also preparing to go to New York Comic Con, so there's yes, a lot sir. of news in that coming up. So stay tuned into all that is 607 Podcast. However, we are here today to talk about some pro wrestling. We're going to cut it down just having two segments today. Uh, in the main event segment, if you will, the second half of the show in this case, it is going to be some all elite wrestling talk. We're going to go over Grand Slam uh, week because obviously Dynamite and Rampage both were Grand Slam. We're going to talk about the return of Soraya. We're going to talk about the new AEW World's Champion and so much more on the back end of this show. In the opening segment, though, we are going to discuss the week that was in World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, you know, a little bit of a for Raw, good SmackDown, some good segments in there, and of course, the name of this show is down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. because the white rabbit has taken over. And we'll talk all about that here in this opening segment as well. But before we get there, Ken M, tell these fine folks how to find yourself and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Well, it's very simple. You swing on over to odphpodcast.com. You join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. You can't miss it. Along with the T Public Store link and the Patreon link, one tier, $2.00. And then you can go over to the Parley Point section, which has a brand new blogs count anywhere, talking a little more in-depthly about AEW's Grand Slam. Glory Pro Wrestling returning to the pageant. So that's a very big show going on their YouTube channel, so you definitely want to go check that out. Impact just had Victory Road, so all those extra pro wrestling content you can simply find at odphpodcast.com. And, of course, if you're trying to find myself in the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. All the social media links are there. Also, we have a T Public link there as well. Buy some swag, some new stuff up. Got a brand new 3FN Podcast shirt, which is 3FN Pod, I should say, yes, in the ECW looks very style. Cool. And on top of that, the new logo is up on there as well. And we got, we're working on some stuff right now for some new 607 TWS merch as well, so keep your eyes peeled for that. 
Also, on top of that, there's the link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content while supporting everything we do here. The links and all that are on 3FNpodcast.com as well as friends of the show like the ODPH. Uh, a listing for 3FN podcast plus 607 TWS, Yubuika one-stop shop, are the directory where you can find the great bands who let us use their music, including the band you hear each and every week open up this show, and that is Floodlands. The song is called Ruin. Check them out on Spotify, YouTube. YouTube music and band camp but the links are all right there as well and of course our local sponsors who help bring you these shows every week commercial free big shout outs to the main sponsor the ones who definitely help us the most and that of course would be dragon master games for all your magic the gathering and gaming needs visit them on the world wide web dragonmastergames.com well that is all the opening stuff out of the way all the business if you will Ken M, check that watch because I do believe it's time! That is right, it is time to kick off this week's episode of 607TWS and we are going to talk world wrestling entertainment, the week that was, and of course, lots of speculation on the back end. We will talk about the White Rabbit at the back end of all of this because... That's where the speculation about that comes in. Mm. So let's talk about, let's start with the Monday Night Raw. And I'm going to say this. This Monday Night Raw wasn't bad. It was more average. And it was definitely the worst one in the Triple H era. So I can understand why people were concerned. And there were some things that I really didn't like about this show. And once again, we are the podcast. Who calls it right down the middle? There was five matches on Raw. Four of them ended with some kind of interference. Yeah. You're going to hear that statement again. Remember, we call it right down the middle. You should never have four out of five matches on a card end in a similar fashion. I understand they were all slightly different, but it was all interference endings. The best match of the show, they definitely borrowed out of the AEW playbook. The opening contest was the best match for the United States Championship between your champion, the almighty Bobby Lashley, Mm -hmm. and, of course, Seth Rollins. Yes. But... As good as that match was, it still ends with a riddle distraction on Rollins. And it over kind of shadowed a great match with probably the greatest reversal of a curb stomp ever. That was insane. And I completely agree with you. I thought that the finishes on Raw definitely took a lot away from the show because I understand that you want to throw maybe a not so clean finish in here and there, but four out of five matches is a lot. And especially going with your opening contest. And I understand they are now all set to start hyping up extreme rules and really start building that card up. But at the same time, you don't want to take away from your flagship show and the product. You're really trying to reconnect with an audience that is having a lot more options on Monday night. albeit watching the NFL shouldn't be really competition, but it is. Absolutely. And then you move on to the very next match, which was a, the match that we were looking forward to off of a great promo with uh, Kevin Owens mm-hmm. and Austin Theory. And once again, two ma- second match in a row, distraction. Johnny Gargano distracts uh, Theory when he was going to use the Money in the Bank briefcase to beat Kevin Owens for Kevin Owens to win the match. Another good match. Horrible, uh, horrible finish because the finish took down from it. I mean, hell, I'm looking at the report off of BR Live. BR Live has that match rated at a B+. That's very high. They had their opening bout at an A minus. So it's not like even BR live like the matches. It's just the finish that everybody's clamoring about. I mean, I'm going to read this straight from BR live. Two matches in a row with distraction finishes is not ideal, but the booking makes sense. So it's hard to be completely mad about it. Yeah, that was at two matches. (laughs) So what happens when there's three matches? 
uh, we first of all, they didn't go three in a row mm-hmm. because the next match between uh, Ridge, ha- the bruising, the brawling brute, sorry, and the Street Profits was a clean finish. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a good tag team match. Kind of surprised the Bruising Brutes win. Yeah, it was surprising. I mean, I think that's the best way you can put it because obviously we are expecting this to go back to the Street Profits and see where we go. But it's great to see a new team step in there. And obviously there's a lot of momentum that you're starting to see the crowd really get behind the Brawling Brutes. Didn't think this was going to happen, but here we are. And I thought the match was solid for what it needed to do. And you notice I'm going to skip over the QR stuff because earlier in the night, was the first time we saw the QR code over the shoulder of Austin Theory. And it was after this match that we saw, well, during this match, technically, we saw somebody with a big QR sign in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about the White Rabbit stuff in, 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 after we cover the show. So don't fret. We're not forgetting it. We're just doing it in the order we choose to. Correct. Because next up, we had Judgment Day versus Matt Riddle in Rey Mysterio. And I thought this match, storyline-wise, super, super good. But once again, distraction for the win for Finn Balor and Damian Priest, the Judgment Day. And I did think that they did some really cool things with this match. And I thought they did some really cool things after this match. Giving Dominic Mysterio um, credit, he's playing this role very well story-wise. Including even after this, when they're talking about going to party, he's like, oh, I have to go wait check on my dad. No, and like they're all. <laughs> yeah, he's growing into this role, and I think that's one thing we got to remember too. He is still very young in the business, learning the mannerisms, which really helps wrestlers get over when you're trying to be a face or heel. He's still getting accustomed to, so it, this is going to take some time. But the, so we had steps in the right direction. That's what I'm trying to go with with this. So, but still, yet again, another weird finish, and really kind of takes him away from everything. And then last but not least, the fifth match of the night being Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. And of course, once again, here's your fourth interference or distraction victory as Bailey comes out on top because of a distraction mm-hmm. from damage control. Yeah. Once again, and now we're going to go to a little different thing here. Once again, decent matches all the way around. If you go through, I think the lowest grade on the show is a B minus. From BR, we like I said, we don't tend to grade them, but all the show matches were good. They weren't great, but they were they were good. But I think what really tainted the show is four out of five matches ending with an interference slash distraction ending. It's the same ending almost. Well, that's the one problem. They think that if you're accustomed to this and this is something that doesn't bother you, then yeah, you're going to grade this a little higher for your own personal standards. But for us, like we talk about this all the time, you can do a weird finish here and there. But when this is a repetitive pattern, you're not getting anywhere with your storylines. I mean, obviously, we know this is all the setup for the pay-per-view, sure. But it didn't have that kind of special feel when you're watching a Raw, like, okay, this is an episode. Like, this almost seemed like a pre-show, you would almost think. Absolutely. I agree with you there. Uh, What I want to get into, though, very much, do you think that there has been too much focus on damage control? They have literally been the focal point of the last month of television and main evented most of the shows. Not all, but most. Yes and no. I think what they're really trying to do is really build Bailey back up and really have her connect with the new audience. And what I mean by a new audience is obviously with the Triple H era, it is a different audience. It's a different WWE universe. And I think that they're really trying to establish, okay, there's a real dominant faction here. Let's see where they go and really are... I don't want to say they're forcing it a little bit, but that's why I kind of say the yes and no, because I think at times it does feel forced a little bit. But then again, it's like I don't see how they're really growing in their roles. I mean, 
it's something that it, it's developing, but I think it's just like at times it does come off a little bit forced. Like that's just my take on that. Absolutely. I'm with you 110% with that because it's just kind of like, you know what? We need other things to also do. And I think that they're kind of forgetting about some things. And also, I don't like some of the things they're doing in that even with like Asuka. Mm-hmm. Asuka's outside the ring during this main event match, dancing and singing around. And I understand during the pandemic that was really good. But when are we going to get back to badass Asuka? Yeah. Especially when they're getting beat down as the faces every week. Yeah, I mean that's another thing too. It just it throws everything off a little bit, and especially with the women's tag team titles involved, it's like you should be doing more with that. Let's do the tale of two cities though, because let's go to Friday Night SmackDown. Yes, and the Friday Night SmackDown was another prime example of how SmackDown has been the A show mm-hmm. once again. Raw has kind of surpassed it a little bit. We've been talking about this week. This week, it returned to being the A show in the opening segment, Ken M. Yes. Because we opened the show with who, Ken M? The Bloodline. The Bloodline. And that's right. Roman Reigns was back this week in the Bloodline. And one of the greatest, and I mean this full-heartedly, greatest moments in pro wrestling history is what happened between the Bloodline and Sami Zayn. As Sami Zayn... Kenem, you remember, is in the ring. And Roman tells him to take the shirt off, to take the bloodline shirt off, and that he's never, never going to wear a bloodline shirt again. And Jey Uso, of course, who hates Sammy. He's loving every minute of this. Rips the shirt off of Sammy, and Sammy is sitting there just sad, very sad, sad panda. Mm -hmm. Like, the perfect amount. Like, his hopes and dreams are being crushed, and Roman Reigns is telling him he'll never, never wear a bloodline shirt again. And Roman, by the way, got to give him all the credit in the world. Sounds legit. Oh, yeah. Sammy looks legit. And then there's a shirt produced. And Roman says, that's because you're going to wear this shirt. And he tosses him a shirt. And what is it? SZ Honorary Oos. That's right. He's got an Honorary Oos shirt. And Sammy Zayn goes from a kid who just didn't get what he wanted for, like the, uh, with all of his heart for Christmas and sad to the happiest kid ever that got the greatest gift. He got his Red Rider BB gun. Yes. And he gives the handshake to Jimmy Uso, gives the big hug to Solo, and then kind of goes over and says, you know, whatever to Jay, who kind of blows him off. Yeah. And we get excited, Sammy, with the Bloodline shirt on. But let's talk about some of the highlights verbally that I have here from that uh, interview. You had Paul Heyman, first of all, telling, doing great work with the crowd, telling him you don't boo the wise man, mm-hmm. to which the crowd booed him harder. To then follow that up is now that Drew McIntyre has another bridge to <clears throat> cross. Let's talk about Solo. Yes. I love how they he used the word, you know, obviously with the Karrion Cross feud, and it was great. Uh, Solo was sent by the elders of the Samoan dynasty, we find out. And that is leads us into someone had to stop these conspiracies against your tribal chief. And the elders may have sent you, but your answer to me now, acknowledge me, Reigns tells us of uh, Sokoa, which he does. And that's when you got it into the... Uh, I wanted to also publicly acknowledge the tribal chief from Sami Zayn, which goes into what we talked about earlier with the ripping of the shirt and giving him his honorary new shirt. But I thought that was really good how they tied in and moved past Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. They solidified the bloodline, and then they added Sami Zayn in. I thought this was a perfect segment. I know BR gave it an A+. We don't grade things, but uh, we, we use BR for the recaps just in case you know we forget something. 
And I, I have to agree with him. This is a home run. This was a grand slam. Fuck a home run. This was a grand slam from top to bottom. How was your final thoughts on this segment? Perfect. Absolutely perfect from top to bottom. What they're doing with Sami Zayn is nothing short of epic and brilliant. They're letting him be Sami Zayn. And with his creativity, he's really running with this character. And especially seeing how he's playing off Roman and the Usos has been really strong work. And now with Solo involved, I mean, the sky is the limit for where they're going to go with this. I'm still sold on the fact that at WrestleMania, the Usos will defend and lose the titles to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I'm locking that in right now. But in the meantime, the storytelling, the little touches here and there, the little mannerisms back and forth, this is perfect pro wrestling. I agree. I agree. Uh, moving on, we move to Liv Morgan versus Lacey Evans next. Uh, Liv Morgan would get a victory. Of course, this is just to continue to build Liv Morgan towards her rematch with Ronda Rousey coming up at Extreme Rules. And, of course, it is an Extreme Rules match, as we found out mm-hmm. last week. And now, here we are. After the match, Liv Morgan gives the aftermatch beatdown to Lacey Evans, including a top rope to the floor through a table senton. How did you feel about the stock rising for Liv Morgan this week? Well, as much as we were talking about like damage control, like growing in their roles in, in the main event scene, and that's where we're going with this, I thought Liv Morgan did a real big step forward. I thought that she looked like she is desperate to win at all costs. She's not afraid to cross a line, and this is what she needs to do against Ronda Rousey Extreme Rules. I thought this was absolutely perfect how they set this up, and doing that table spot was absolutely wild, but seeing Liv's reaction right after that's what sold it. So I think that she's definitely stepping in the right direction. Next up on the show, we had a tag team match between the New Day and the Maximum Male Models. And this match was nothing to write home about. It was a basic average match. However, it, that could all change. Not saying this match could change, but everything could change if the storyline is going where we think it is. A lot of uh, Max Dupree is kind of not happy. He was struggling to get his coat off. was very angry and upset. We're getting more teasers for possibly the return of... L A night. Yeah. And I'll be honest, if it's leading in that direction, I'm fine with all of this stuff. What's your thoughts? The more LA night, the better. I I'm perfectly down for this. I'm not sure what the future is really going to hold for maximum male models, but I do like when they're on screen. I think they do add something to the show, but listen, I am completely here for a return of LA night or uh, fingers crossed. Eli Drake. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. Next matchup. Another one that wasn't really, eh, but that would be Braun Strowman taking out Otis. Braun Strowman gets the win. More of a competitive match. They did let Otis get offense in noticeably. Once again, though, I don't I don't know where we are with this. And honestly, I understand that there was a good little pop when Braun came back. I understand why bringing him back. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It is definitely to have that plug-and-play monster whenever you need somebody to get a shot at the title and in case of emergency, break glass. I get it 120%. However... I just don't think they really have a direction for him right now, and him messing around with Alpha Academy isn't exactly what I think you would should be doing with the Monster Among Men. That's just my personal thought. I feel like he's just a little lost out in the weeds currently. I somewhat disagree on this aspect. Okay. You're right. They don't have a direction right now because what they're trying to do is reestablish him to the new audience. And what they're doing is putting him against Otis, I think is brilliant. And I think this really shows that Otis, who we all forget was a Money in the Bank winner and on his way to go to the main event scene, really has invented, reinvented himself with Chad Gable and is becoming like this standoff competitor in his own right that he can hang with a Braun Strowman. 
And for Strowman, yeah, coming back and obviously having that great match against Otis, this elevates him to fans are like, okay, if I forgot what was so big about him because a lot of people just remember him being attached with Bray Wyatt and kind of like how his last match in WWE was, which was atrocious. This is now establishing him back as a possible main event threat for Roman Reigns. And I think that this is where the stopgap is going to be between the eventual Cody Rhodes match and where he is now. Okay. I, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I just I feel like it's a little less out there if that's... No, I, I can see that point, though. Next up, though, we have another great piece of storytelling leading to another great rivalry coming up on the horizon at Extreme Rules, and that is that Drew McIntyre hit the ring and said, and I quote, I don't like playing games, and if you have a problem with me, meet me in the ring and we'll figure it out. Well, Karrion Cross did meet him in the ring, although he tried to sneak attack him, which Drew McIntyre was onto it. That started a little brawl, and then Scarlet with a fireball. She must be a wizard, too. Yes. Uh, got... Uh, Drew McIntyre right in the eyes and then low blowed him. And right before Karrion Cross slapped Drew McIntyre in the cross jacket, guess what happens? He tells him, I'll see you at Extreme Rules. So we now know it's official. Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre. The story is going to continue with a match at Extreme Rules and actually just a couple Saturdays away because mm-hmm. that is October 8th, I do believe. Yes. How did you think about this uh, next chapter in the setup of the Karrion Cross Drew McIntyre feud? I thought it was beautiful and well done. I'm enjoying what they're doing. Karrion Cross is coming off like he is another one growing in the roles. I mean, that's one thing that we're really seeing on the, both these shows. People that have now been added to the roster or making that call up from NXT to now are really taking those opportunities and running with it. And Karrion Cross is one that obviously we knew in his first stint in WWE, not the greatest thing in, in memory, and just a lot of people like to forget, me included. So now you're stu- you're creating him as a, a legit badass, and now him against Drew, that could be match of the night at Extreme Rules, to be honest with you. I agree. I definitely agree. Next up, we had Raquel Rodriguez, I almost said Gonzalez, just out of habit, mm-hmm. taking on her former best friend and partner down in NXT, but now a member of Damage Control and one half of your WWE World's Women's Tag Team Champions, Dakota Kai. This match was a decent match. We've seen these two have great matches down in NXT. I don't think it was on that level of great because they didn't get the time for it. They went back to Monday's booking here, though, because there was uh, a little bit of interference from Dakota's partner, EO Sky. Mm-hmm. But the main distraction came from Shotzi Blackheart, who came down, distracted Dakota Kai for Raquel Rodriguez to get the victory. And at the end of the day, BR gave this a C plus. I agree. It was slightly above an average match. Didn't mind it. However, I'm still not a fan of all the distractions. That's five this week in WWE. There's more on the other channel. We'll talk about later because once again, we call it right down the middle. Mm -hmm. But I will say this with this particular one on this particular night. Could this be a setup for war games? Possibly. I'm not doubting this. I know they're really making a, a hard push for Shotzi to become face. The easiest way to do it is just give her her tank back and everything will be all set. But I'm not doubting that they go here for war games. I mean, it would just be kind of an interesting faction setup. I know I was actually talking with Padawan J from the ODPH about this. He's thinking that it's going to be damage control and toxic attraction. Oh. Getting paired together against uh, Asuka, Alexa, and Bianca Belair, and then Shotzi... Raquel, and then somebody else thrown in that mix. It could be if they do six or even if they do five, they could still do that same kind of basic setup. And then because we got to remember, is JC Jane cleared yet? I'm I don't not know. sure. That I don't know. Because about. if not, that the still you can still have Mandy Rose 
and Gigi Dolan plus the three members of Damage Control. That's five against the the three Alexa, Asuka, and Bianca. Mm-hmm. And then of course the other two could be Raquel and Shotzi, yeah. which I'm for. Or of course you know you never know where the T's could be with one Naomi and of course the boss yeah. Sasha Banks. Maybe we don't know when Sasha and Naomi are coming back. If they're coming back, who knows? No. But here's the thing. It's always good to spread your eggs out and not have them all in one basket. So I like the fact that we have some mixes up. We know there's going to be a women's war game. You mean war games. That's right. Thank you for finally chiming in. You woke up. (laughs) But anyways, we know there's going to be a women's and a men's war games. There you go. Shouts to JVD. We know that's coming down. That's been announced. We know it's it's locked in. It's locked in stone. It happened after we recorded last week. Mm. So now going towards Survivor Series and War Games. We're going to start seeing that build. I know on one end, it's pretty strongly implied it's going to be War Games. The Bloodline. Yes, at War Games. And then, of course, whoever's going to face the Bloodline, possibly. You could do Judgment Day, but I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Bloodline on one side. And in the women's, I know it's going to be Damage Control and somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's all that I've figured out so far. I mean, that could be, like I say, with wall games looming. Yes, I know. I need to wake up. I'm still in shock of the Bills game, so God, bear with me. Yes, yes. Very, very rough one for Ken M today. Yes. As you know, we record on Sunday, so there you go. Yes. But if this is a step in the right direction for it, listen, bring it on. And I think there's a lot of possibilities, but this makes the most sense to me. Well, we got a main event of the evening and a payoff from uh, Monday night. Because remember, on Monday night, we got to see the Brawling Brutes in a victorious uh, match. Well, they now got a title shot at Them Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. It says SmackDown Tag Team Championships on the report. I don't know if both were on the line or just SmackDown. Who knows? But at least the SmackDown titles were on the line. And it was one hell of a match. I got to be honest with you. The Brawling Brutes looked amazing in this match. This is the best match I've seen Ridge Holland in ever. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Of course, we did get a little bit of uh, the interference from uh, one Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. as, as he does. Yes. Let's be honest. But I think the uh, biggest thing is we got uh, Sheamus tried to cut off Sami Zayn at one point, and then that brought out your reigning intercontinental champion, Gunther. And him and uh, Sheamus had a little exchange, so much, in fact, that we can say it now. It's already been announced. Next week on SmackDown, we're going to get a rematch, Sheamus versus Gunther, for the Intercontinental Championship. And I, for one, am here to see it. I'm down for that. Hell, even Dave Meltzer gave that match a five-star rating. Yeah, I mean, they have great chemistry together, so I don't mind seeing this ran back. And I'm already saying, if the, I don't doubt Sheamus walking away with the belt. I agree, but at the end of the day, guess what happened? The Usos defeated the Browling Brutes. They're still your tag champions. What should we expect? What should we expected? And I have no problems with this at all. That You heard it here first. No problems with it at all. No, absolutely not. It is now time to talk about the elephant in the room, or should I say the, the white rabbit. rabbit in the room. Mm-hmm. And that is, we talked last week about what something was going to mean. Mind you, it was before Raw last week, and we just went over all this. So this is before all the viral campaign. So last we talked about this White Rabbit was when they were playing White Rabbit during a break at SmackDown and then at the house shows over the weekend. Mm -hmm. That, of course, continued on Monday Night Raw because during Raw, during a break, they played White Rabbit. Uh, They did it during SmackDown as well, just so everybody knows. But... It got more interesting because during Raw, as we mentioned briefly, because we wanted to talk about it here, there was a QR code that was first seen discreetly behind the shoulder of one Austin Theory, Mm -hmm. but later more in your face in the crowd that said, come with me. 
And it took you, if you scanned it, to wwe.com slash come with me. That's the actual URL that it take you to. And when you went there, there was this unique video of a, you know, a rabbit of go down the rabbit hole, uh, feed your head. Was was said in there, of course, is a lyric from Jefferson Airplane. There, white white rabbit, exactly. And on top of that, there was a clock that was flashing blue and white. That was going between doing nine point two three and nine colon two three. So everybody instantly went, "Oh, well, it's blue and white." It nine point two three must mean September twenty third, which is this upcoming Friday. So SmackDown, mm. blue and white, nine twenty three p.m. Oh shit. What's going to happen at 9.23 p.m.? And, of course, everybody jumped in and started looking at the clues. And, of course, we talked about it before. Very heavily implied that it's Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I still think that it's very much like Bray Wyatt, especially uh, during that. They also play, had a game of Hangman that we saw. I left that out intentionally because I wanted to talk about that right now. The biggest thing was the game of Hangman. Mm-hmm. And what was the question for Hangman? Who killed the world? Yeah. And then the guessing was the guy being drawn was first of all the number of letters they got wrong spelled out demon right but when we got the answer it was you, you did, did in the bray wyatt font mm-hmm. and once again the sluice of the internet not us went through confined it on reddit and found where he cut promos where he said that you killed the world talking about the audience yes uh there was also promo promos with the feed your head in it, and references to the Jefferson Airplane song previously mm. in Bray Wyatt promos from the past because everything that guy does is something that leads to the future somehow. Somewhere I think he sees the future and knew he was going to get fired and knew he'd have to have a comeback at some point. I don't know. He writes for the Simpsons. Dude, I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, it's amazing the shit that he, the dude does. So here we are. We have all this great things on. Tell me how you thought about just that viral campaign from Monday, and then we'll continue the story on to get more of our takes. The viral campaign is very, very smart, and this is something that feeds right into Bray Wyatt's wheelhouse. I think that this is something that has got fans buzzing. If Bray is coming back, this is a perfect way to do it because this is so quirky and odd, but yet new wave thinking. This fits into his MO perfectly. And I cannot wait to see where we're going with this because, as he's touched upon, they let in the SmackDown, and did fans get exactly what they wanted? Yes and no, but that's the one brilliant thing about Bray. You don't know until you see it. So, I, I agree 100%. So we get through that. Mm-hmm. So now everybody's thinking Bray Wyatt's going to show up on September 23rd, this past Friday on SmackDown, right. at 9.23 p.m. But then there's all these other internet, like, Weird things going on that also play a part. So, first of all, WWE not seeing like capitalizing on this is now selling White Rabbit merchandise. Mm-hmm. You can get the Hangman shirt with the, the Who Killed the World You Did. You get the White Rabbit shirt. So we get the SmackDown, nine twenty three p.m. Scarlet and Karrion Cross are in the ring with Drew McIntyre. Now, some people had thought, like we talked about before, that maybe. The White Rabbit thing was Karrion Cross, And still to me, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. He's just came back. They're not going to repackage him. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to repackage him. He's hitting all cylinders. He's in the main event picture. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that one of the other theories I got thrown out there isn't true. And I don't know. We didn't really talk about this because this wasn't a thing because there was no viral campaign. And we're going to get into the viral campaign from Friday because there was one. Some people have said that maybe 
the Firefly Funhouse has become real. So the return of Bray Wyatt, and then you would have Karrion Cross as Rambling Rabbit, not not being Rambling Rabbit, right, but that's sure, sure. the embodiment of a Rambling Rabbit. That would mean that Abby would be the embodiment of Scarlet. That would mean that I do believe they said Huskus was Braun Strowman, mm-hmm. and the Vulture would be Dexter Loomis, and it would be a new Wyatt family. I was like, that's fucking intriguing. I don't know if that's real, but it's intriguing. It's intriguing, but I think it's a stretch. I just think that it's everybody really trying to grasp for some straws and tie everything together. But, I mean... I mean, it would follow the buzzard, if you will. It it would, but it's like almost like, how does this all play out? And especially with Dexter and Carrion more so than anybody. But I... I, like I just I don't know like I just don't see it when it's when it's brought up but like if it does happen I mean I listen Bray has no no wrong yet in my opinion so I agree well just something that's out there just so everybody gets in but let's get to what we got on uh, Friday Night Smackdown because mm-hmm. the viral campaign continued we got another QR code yep and this time there was a game and in the background of the game you could kind of hear an eight bit kind of version like although it was dulled down of the Fiend's entrance music yeah. As the rabbit's going through a firescape. And if you beat the game, you got a message. And the, it was the white rabbit. And it was the uh, longitude and latitude numbers. Mm-hmm. And it was too raw this week. Edmonton. Yeah. As long as well as the purchaside. I hope I said that right. Word was on the screen, which means to kill one's father. Yeah. Which all of us are like, what the f- fuck does that mean once again the internet sleuths found a bray wyatt inter like interview promo segment where he talked about the sins of the father and having to kill the father off it was from his nxt run even yeah it's it's this is some crazy shit now i want to go on record here before we go any further because we're going to give our opinions and our thoughts obviously next week we're probably going to be talking about what went down on monday night raw mm-hmm. i i think they're going to really carry this thing out to at least extreme rules is my guess. Of course, if you haven't seen already, when you look at the graphic for Extreme Rules, any of the graphics, in the upper left-hand corner, very unnoticeable, but once you see it, you can't miss it, is a lantern in Fireflies. Mm -hmm. And it's been there before they even started any of this viral campaign because those posters have been out now for a couple months. Right. But on all the posters and on the match card, if you look into the upper left-hand corner, shout out to JVD who pointed this out to me originally as Mm -hmm. well. And then I've looked and I was like, holy shit, it's been there the whole time. There is literally a lantern in what appears to be Fireflies. Yeah. So I'm thinking that they've already told us where he's going to make his actual return. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to say this. I am 95%. I would go higher, but you know I don't ever like to go above 95%. Positive, this is Bray Wyatt. They're not trying to just bait and switch us. They're not trying to give us. They are giving you literally the most in the face. Here's what it is. You're going to follow the fucking rabbit instead of following the buzzard. Mm-hmm. And it's going to lead you down the rabbit hole. And when you get to the end of the rabbit hole, and when you become like Alice in Wonderland, that's going to lead you straight to Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And I don't think that they're going to botch it. I think that they know that they have it in there, but they are not going to tip their hand too early, which I think is great. I hope they don't. I hope they play it through to its ending because I think this is a great way to get people interested. And everybody's talking about the viral white rabbit. It is definitely an interesting way to go. And like I say, JVD pointed that out, and we can't escape it. I think that they are going to at least have his silhouette or something like that at Extreme Rules. 
I don't doubt that they don't stretch it out to the Survivor Series somehow, but I think that you're going to have a definitive answer one way or another if it's Bray at Extreme Rules, and then maybe his first return match will be at Survivor Series. So that's why I'm going to go with that. Although I do want to say this. It is kind of, I think whoever in the office overlooked this, but this week's Raw is coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Mm -hmm. Do you know what wrestler was from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada? Yeah. We don't say his name. Right, but Partricide? Yeah. This is a very big faux pas. So I think that somebody messed up there, but thankfully, other than some people on, on Reddit and us, nobody's really mentioning it. I don't think that that was the intention. No, it definitely wasn't. This is just a mistake of where they were going with this. In oh, my absolutely. Opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. So I do think it is a mistake, uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's you know unforgivable. I think it was just mostly an oversight. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It's still paying off because, man, I can't wait to see where we go next. And I think we're going to get another viral message on Monday, maybe even a bigger clue. They are continuing to play at house shows and everywhere else, White Rabbit. So they're really leading into heavy this. Oh, yeah. And every week there's something added to the White Rabbit playing. Because remember, before it was all the lights out and then, you know, people using their camera phones or lights on their camera, and then the red coming up at the end. The red is coming on earlier, mm -hmm. and it's getting darker. And then now, if you didn't notice, on Raw and SmackDown, the ring started to turn red, and the around-the-ring thing started to turn red. So they're adding more pieces of whatever their final thing is into the White Rabbit that's playing to only the house crowds. And think about it, WWE's not shooting any of this and sending it out themselves. Right? They're letting the fans do this. I think that this is a fresh new wave, and we talked about what they did with Dexter Loomis. We're now talking about this viral campaign. So my hat's really off to Triple H being in charge of creative and, and everybody else who's doing creative work at WWE for going outside the box and giving us new ways to bring people in. Mm. Because we saw it with Dexter Loomis, and now we're seeing this magnificent build to what we all pretty much are guaranteeing is the return of Bray Wyatt. Right. So I don't know. Uh, what do you think about this whole outside-the-box thinking from WWE recently? It's smart. It's what you should be doing because the traditional way of doing promotion and vignettes, I'm not going to say it's outdated, but it can definitely use a good change of pace. And what they're doing here, I think, is just so next-level thinking. This is why they keep setting the bar for what they do in this business. This is so unpredictable. It has fans talking all the time with the craziest theories you're coming up with. And if they want to just keep running this till they finally want to make the debut, go right ahead because you know what? Everybody's bought in. And I like it. I think yeah. this is this is new and interesting stuff, and I hope they continue to think outside the box mm -hmm. in the future for everybody else. Not just with the returns, but with new gimmicks and everything else. I think this would be really good and Absolutely. really benefit. Absolutely. Speaking of upcoming, we already talked about the one match we know about that's upcoming on uh, Friday Night SmackDown for the Intercontinental Championship between Gunther and Sheamus. But Monday Night Raw, if you're hearing this before Raw, because uh, we put it out late Sunday night, and we really start advertising on Monday morning, as you guys know, mm -hmm. uh, we have... Uh, Right, Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair will be taking on Eosai, right. is announced. And then also, Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins is announced. And just announced today, the phenomenal one, AJ Styles, will go one-on-one -on -one with Sami Zayn with Solo Sokoa in his corner. Interesting. This is coming after a little bit of a, a jest between the two of them on the internet. AJ Styles had tweeted, man, people will do anything for a t-shirt these days, dot, dot, dot. Hashtag pathetic. Sami Zayn 
then quote tweeted and said, Roman Reigns gifted me the honorary Oost t-shirt, now available at WWE Shop, mm-hmm. and selling like crazy from what I hear. Yeah. And that was in parentheses. Disrespect the shirt equals disrespect the bloodline. Might just come to Raw on Monday to sort this out. Oh, and I don't travel alone. Pack your bag, Zeus, at WWE Solo Sokoa. To which AJ replied uh, with a picture of... Because uh, Sammy put the picture of him with the shirt with the LeBron... Mm-hmm. in the pool uh, meme. And uh, AJ wrote, Sammy, you have me shaking, shaking in the boots that have garnered me the respect of the entire wrestling world. Bring the kid, bring your dumb shirt, dot, dot, dot. Sorry, your dumb gift shirt. See you on Monday at hashtag WWE Raw, and then WWE made it official. I'm here for it. So they're doing shit on social media, and it's looking good. So on Raw, we have three announced matches so far for Raw as we record. Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair versus EO Sky. Or IO Sky, sorry. I, I'm still getting over the fact that they yeah, switched it up a little bit. Yeah. And then Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins, one of our absolute favorites here. MVP of WWE, of my opinion. And then the MVP of SmackDown, Sami Zayn's coming over with Solo Sokoa to take on AJ Styles. Now, with all this digital marketing, especially it's hitting the internet fans, do you think this is a complete shot at AEW trying to get a lot of their fan base to turn in? Um... No. And I'm going to say it like this. And the reason I don't think it's it's a shot at AEW, I think it's just Triple H is smart enough to move with the times. Vince was so in the past that he was pretty much, other than tweets and stuff, was really kind of opposed to doing stuff in the viral and Twitter market. Because think mm-hmm. about that. He didn't really do tons there. None. He could have. So I think this is just new ways for WWE to go, hey, we have a whole fan audience that's out there on the internet. And it's on YouTube. And you know what? Yeah, this is a good place to be. Uh, do I think that possibly he saw the success that AEW was having with the internet to to their level? Sure. But I think that he's gone beyond. Because we haven't seen AEW do a viral campaign for anybody. We just yeah, see that really. they're, they're just the darlings of the IWC, which mm. is fine. And I think that, uh, that as some of that IWC comes back to, to WWE, which they have, we know, looking at the numbers... Mm-hmm. So therefore, I think he's like, hey, we need to go find some of them where they are. Maybe not that same fan base, but there's other fans that are out there that might not be watching Raw the traditional way or SmackDown or NXT or whatever the traditional way. We've talked about this ad nauseum that the numbers, that's why the numbers, they are good to get like a feeler about how things are going for like the way that they do it. But it's not in the end all be all. A lot of people are uh, consuming content on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and, you know, the social media networks. Mm-hmm. So this is a good way to involve those people who are not watching traditional television or on even applications, even like your Hulu's or Netflix's or whatever. These are people who are just on the Internet watching on YouTube, watching on you know, Twitch and stuff and Twitter and all the other avenues that WWE helps market their show along with other companies. And I think that this is very smart because you're tabbing into that young audience and it's paying off in the demographics for them. We have seen the demographics rise for them. So yeah, that's what I was just kind of curious with because it just seems like a lot of this is so geared towards the internet wrestling community. You almost think like maybe not intentionally, but it's kind of like maybe they saw what was going on there and think of taking a little shot like that. I'm sure that they saw the strong suit from AEW. I I'm, I wouldn't doubt it, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that was their only gauge. I think right. that it's I think that Triple H being a smart man, knowing the business, I think he knew where the business needed to go, mm. and he's looking at those numbers on YouTube and everything else as well. And the re- like I said, the only reason I don't think it's a direct is because. It would be if AEW had done a viral campaign. They never have. This is gotcha. the first time we've seen a viral campaign, and that's from WWE. I mean, we've seen a, small ones in the past when the infancy of the internet. Yeah. But now we're seeing a full on. Yeah, this is full on. Like especially with this Bray Wyatt stuff. Yeah. 
QR codes on Raw to take you to websites. Well, it's, it's their website, but still, to take you there, to have you click on things and play games that lead to more messages that lead you to next week. Hell, we didn't even get into the fact that, that the, the, coordinate, the coordinates and the, and the rabbit, that wasn't just on the internet. People went to their parking their cars at the main parking lot on SmackDown, and they left with flyers with that image. Hmm. So WWE is doing this viral. They're doing it in person. So it's almost like an augmented reality. You know, it reminds me a lot of, and this is old, going back a while. Remember the uh, whole viral campaign for the Matrix movie? Yeah. The original Matrix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this kind of reminds me of. Okay. Go here, go there, get this, get that, and then come back and put it all together. Okay. So I, I think see it's that. very ingenious, though. But no, I, I, I think that, yes, maybe to an extent they were like, oh, well, obviously the internet wrestling fans are watching because... AEW exists and it does very well in that market. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Maybe we should gear some of our shit to that market as well. Because yeah. that's smart. That's just smart business. But I don't think it's a copy. No. We are going to take our break. When we come back from the break, it's going to be the second half of the show. And we're going to talk all elite wrestling. More importantly, we're going to talk about Grand Slam, Dynamite, and Rampage. And also, where are we going from here? All that and more right after this break. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Let's get ready to rumble! It is time to rumble. It is time for the main event segment of this week's edition of 607TWS. And let's kick it off because we are talking all elite wrestling and you know what this week they had one of their bigger events of the year uh especially for dynamite it was their biggest dynamite of the year last year with the they first went to arthur ash stadium in new york city queens new york Mm -hmm. specific this year they returned for grand slam 2022 of course that took over the two-hour dynamite and a special two-hour rampage we're going to break them all down right here and then talk about where we think this goes to the future i do want to point this out it was their first million dollar gate in dynamite history hmm. not in company history obviously they've done that on yeah, pay-per-view the, the last few did. pay-per-views but this is the first time they made a million dollars in dynamite history however the attendance live was down from last year last year they had a complete sellout of arthur ash at right around twenty thousand. i do believe it was like twenty one thousand. 
This year, the 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 the, the attendance that they released this year was right around thirteen or fourteen thousand. So obviously, they're a little more expensive for the tickets. This is not me judging. I thought that the crowd was fucking hot. Mm-hmm. I thought that uh, the, both nights, even Rampage, they they retained because obviously they filmed Rampage after. And they retained the crowd, and the crowd was hot all night. The New York City crowd was fucking phenomenal. No complaints. I just uh, thought it was a little weird that it trended down. Of course, that was with Tony Khan talking last week about saying that wrestling has never been a bigger boom period. Yeah. It was a lower rating than last week and last year, with this being just slightly over a million. Mm. And last week, of course, we know they had a 1.18, which is their highest rating since last year. Uh, after well, actually, Dynamite because the Dynamite Grand Slam last year was a little above that. It was like a one point two. It was one point two for that because their biggest one ever was the uh, Dynamite after All Out. Yes, and that was at almost one point four. We'll call it one point four like we have in the past. Mm-hmm. It was one point whatever, one point three whatever, one point three eight. Yeah, it's close enough. So one point four. So this one was a little lower, which is fine. Once again, not the end all be alls. So you hear a lot of stuff out there before we even go. You hear the e drones as they like to call them. Uh, saying, oh, well, you're down. Ha ha, you didn't sell out. Ha ha, this and that. And then you hear the AEW uh, people try to spin it in the way that the accountant from Buffalo does. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, it's not important. The, the most important thing is they put on a hell of an entertaining show for two days. I enjoyed both of the shows. There was some problems, but I enjoyed both of the shows. I'm going to say that up front. But at the same point in Juncture, sometimes those numbers aren't the end-all be-all. We talked about other avenues, and that's what WWE's tipping into with the viral... So there it is. So I don't know. Do you want to have any thoughts on the people who are living and dying by the numbers on either side, Ken? Don't. Either you enjoy the show or you don't watch it. Like at this stage, are you getting any money out of this for advertising reasons? No. Like then who gives a shit? Like honestly, this is why this event should be more talked about on social media for the actual wrestling and the events until everybody's kind of going, well, about the numbers. Like does this do you, do really the numbers affect you? See, I'm getting so fired up about this. I'm starting to stutter about this. This is how stupid this argument is and why we keep having to have this week after week after week. It's very simple. If anybody is out there living and dying by the numbers, you're missing pro wrestling completely. It's gotten to this point where it's just annoying that we have to hear you complain about, oh, you didn't draw this much. You didn't draw this. Are you the, are you the people in management that have to deal with this? No. Then be fans. Either enjoy the show or watch something else because trust us, there's a ton more wrestling going on. That said, I'm getting off my soapbox. There we go. Now let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about the event. Let's open up with the opening contest of AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, which was for the Ring of Honor World's Championship. Your champion coming in, Claudio Castagnoli taking on the Wizard, Chris Jericho. That's how they announced him, so we'll say that. Mm. The many faces of Chris Jericho. Yes. Well, at the end of the day... Your new Ring of Honor World Champion, the Wizard Chris Jericho. And the way he wins this match is he introduces a baseball bat. When the referee takes it away, he gives uh, Claudio the old kick to the dick mm-hmm. before delivering the Judas effect for the one, two, three, and the title. After the match, he would then uh, disrespectfully uh, slap around the much beloved Kerry Silken. How did you feel about your new Ring of Honor champion for the eighth time world champion? Also, his first time as Ring of Honor champion, the Wizard, Chris Jericho. Well, let's remember, he's he's referring to it as the Ocho. And I'm almost wondering, is 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 he listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour? Like, how Ooh. is this all connecting? Because all of a sudden, we start talking about that match, and on, he starts referring to it as the Ocho. 
I'm just going to put that conspiracy theory out to the world. No, this match, I'm not super shocked he won. I'm, I am and I'm not. I thought Claudia, Claudio could have got the win more, and I thought it would have made more sense. The only thing that makes sense to me about this, and I touched upon this in the latest blogs kind of anywhere, they must be either thinking they're going to get a TV deal soon, and they want to try bringing in more viewers to that program whenever they're going to do it. And Jericho has a bigger star power than Claudio for the pop culture audience to try bringing in. That's the only th- reason this makes sense to me for this title change. Otherwise, I think playing hot potato with it, I don't know exactly know if I agree with it. I'm agreeing with you completely there. I think that this does mean that they're trying to sell really hard a TV show. And Chris Jericho is easier to sell to the network, obviously. No offense to Claudio Castagnoli. Yeah, exactly. But let's be honest. Chris Jericho is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He's also in a band. He's an entertainer that people know worldwide. He's been on Dancing with the Stars and amongst everything. He's a, he's He is above wrestling in the fact that non-wrestling fans know who Chris Jericho is. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that that's probably the move and why they made it. If it's not then I, I definitely don't get it. But I'm assuming 100% that's the move. Yeah. The next match on the contest was for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Your champions swerve in our glory, defending against the acclaimed with daddy ass in their corner. This match was not as good as their match at All Out. Agreed. However, it was still a good match. At the end of the day, and new AEW World Tag Team Champions, the acclaimed. However, I have a gripe with this match. And my gripe, first and foremost, is there was a logical end to this match where they should have ended the match. And due to either bad camera work or, well, due to bad booking, sorry. I'm going to be honest about it. And then also bad camera work. It definitely took the sale out. Of, it definitely took the wind out of the sales of people at home, but also in Arthur Ashe. Mm-hmm. There is a part of this match where they get Keith Lee down, and they're going for you know Bowens hits him with the move, and then they are going for the mic drop. Yep. And then Max Caster, with the camera not on him on the rope, crashes and burns, grabbing his knee. Now, when the camera goes wide right after, we see Swerve there. So did Swerve push him off? What's going on? No, they were doing a knee injury angle because. You know, people were trying to smart me up and going, well, at the pay-per-view, Bowen hurt his knee, so they just did it now with Caster. And I'm going, but that doesn't make any sense. They don't have to do that. And the crowd was at that fever pitch. If he hits the mic drop in the one, two, three right there, you would have gotten that clear one, two, three. That would have been your crescendo. I'm not the only one that believes this. Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer both believe this as well because I heard their thoughts on Busted Open Radio. Not saying that I agree with them all the time, but this is one I agree on. Also, other people on the internet have said the same thing. Wrestlers have said this, uh, the same thing. I think that that was the natural crescendo to end this on. And this is a problem that I think AEW has sometimes overbooking things. Now, after this, it felt to the viewer at home like Arthur Ashe kind of cooled off a little bit. We did get a couple of really good false finishes. Mm-hmm. And then we got the acclaim moment, which was still uh, probably the loudest pop of the night, I, w- I would say. I think the loudest pop of the night was for the acclaim winning the title still. But I think that that noise would have been louder if they did it at the logical end point. Also, carrying it on, it didn't do so well for the rest of the match. Now, let's talk about the finish before I turn it over to you for your thoughts. The finish of this match comes after Daddy Ass then turns around and uh, the referee admonishes him and says, nope, nope, you can't get involved. Referee gets distracted. Fame asser to swerve, dump swerve in the ring. We get the finish of the match at that point. So they cheated to win. The face team, the home team, cheated to win. I didn't like that too much. By the way, if you're keeping track, 
Remember calling it down the middle. That's two matches in a row where there was a cheat to win. Mm. Ken M, how did you feel about everything that happened with the acclaimed becoming your new AEW World Tag Team Champions? It felt like a letdown. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie about it. I am happy they won because obviously the energy that they got from the crowd in Chicago at All Out carried over here, and fans were super excited to see this rematch. Everything. I think everybody knew the title change was coming. But I agree with you. Why are we trying to do a knee injury again for reasons? No sense to that. That's where the match should have ended. Instead, what? Because you have Billy Gunn out there. You have to get him involved to, to help them win, and especially if they're supposed to be the face team. And I know I've Harry had some conversations. Well, they don't really do faces and heels in AEW. Yes and no. But I think in this case, this was a situation where he should not have gotten involved. It's not a clean win. And then you get him in. You got the new tag team titles or champions. So, obviously, this is hopefully setting up for them versus FTR. If not, I don't understand why we're making the title change here. But I'm happy we're going to get a heel swerve because that's coming, I think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, right after that match, we get Wheeler Yuta on the stage with Tony Schiavone. And Wheeler Yuta is talking about you know, trying to get his ROH pure title back, talking about, you know, how bad it was that Claudio lost the belt. And then we get the music everybody was waiting for because MJF is coming out. Mm-hmm. Now, I disagree with this promo spot more than anything on the show. We're going to talk about it right now. Let me get you the highlights, if you will. When, first of all, whoever booked this, Tony Khan, <laughs> mm. when... You have Wheeler Yuta, who is a face. Yes. In the in the Blackpool Combat Club. People like Wheeler. Wheeler is very good in the ring, not that great on the microphone. It's got a little ways to go. So when you have him out there representing Blackpool Combat Club, and you're going to bring out MJF, top five talker in the business currently. I'm not gonna say number one, he could be. I'll just say top five. He's in that discussion easy. Right, right. But we'll say the top five just to save the arguments with anybody at home. Sure. I believe he's closer to the top of that top five, but still. So you have one of the the top five promo cutters in the business coming out to now joust with a lesser combatant. This is why I have a problem with it. First thing that happens, though, is his music hits in the New York City crowd. Mind you, where is MJF from? Long Island. Where is Arthur Ashe Stadium? Queens. How close is Queens to Long Island? Walking distance. Pretty much. Yeah. You just go over the bridge. The LIEs takes you right over there. Mm-hmm. You're not far from Queens. This is a home field for MJF. Yes. And just like when we were in Long Island at the LBS, AEW did it smart. They knew that crowd had no shot of booing the man. Mm-hmm. So they just played into it and said, fuck it, he's a face for the night. <laughs> yeah. He can still cut a heel promo, but they're going to cheer him. So that's what they that's what they should have done here. Because he comes out to this thunderous applause. Caesar returning to Rome. To the point that he says, the first words out of his mouth is, I am the devil and I have returned home. And you all scream for me like this. That makes you devil worshippers. Mm-hmm. And the crowd pops for being called devil worshippers. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. That's a messed up scene. So at this point, Juncture, this is where you have fucking bort mi- a mission. Yeah. You let MJ, you kind of call the Iggy and say, get fucking Wheeler out of there. Just let MJF cut a promo. 
because this is not good. But nope, nope, they don't do that. Poor Wheeler gets to hear this whole wonderful promo from MJF. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes back over to Utes, as MJF calls him the whole time, he basically brings up the fact that MJF just got engaged and that that lady better be careful because he's going to abandon you just like he did us. Meaning when he abandoned AEW. And he thought the crowd was going to boo, cheer him and boo MJF. Oh no, that didn't happen because the next very next words out of MJF's mouth is, give it up for Wheeler Yuta. You have evolved from dry paint to pet rock personality. And the crowd fucking popped. Yep. Popped. When you talk about fucking burial, that is a burial. And then he goes on to say, hey, kid, you can go get your advice from uh, Brian Danielson if he still remembers. You can go to Moxley for your advice. But then again, I want it because Moxley messes everything up in his life. Or you can go to your leader, William Regal. That's in between him popping pills. And to which we get the double leg takedown, which the crowd did react positively for that. We get a little brawl pull apart. We get uh, the... Uh, the wonderful W. Morrissey mm-hmm. coming out to do his duties. Yeah, and the retainer. And then beating up Tony Schiavone, which will become important later. Uh, well, actually, moments later when we talk about the next match. So, basically, this booking was poor because you had a weak person on the microphone getting buried by MJF. And I heard Bully Ray say, oh, it's the Rocky thing. You know, Utes was Rocky. He got some shots, and that's all there was meant. No, 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 no. No, no, no. This is not though. This this is not that because in that movie, Rocky's the face. Mm-hmm. Wheeler became the heel as soon as MJF walked out that uh, out that curtain. Am I wrong? No. You, the whole thing about this. Segment, I mean, not a heel. You shouldn't say heel because he's not a bad guy. He became the not popular one. Exactly. Put it that way. Exactly. Like the whole point of this segment was trying to establish MJF as a heel and it failed miserably on every single level. Putting him in his hometown. Listen, you remember the last time he came to Arthur Ashe? Remember the last time he had the whole vignette and he came out as a face and it was like reliving his high school days? Did everybody forget about that pop the crowd gave him? So why did you think after he's been gone for where, you know, you know, everybody knows why he's been gone. He comes back. Why did you think the crowd was going to instantly start booing him when they were been cheering him at every single show he's gone to since? And well, I was going to say, Chicago. Yeah. One of the things that probably pissed Punk off, and I've, I'm just saying that for my speculation, I agree is when you, MJF though. reveals himself, that crowd is chanting MJF. No more about Punk. Then you fast forward to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He cuts that genius face promo and follows it up by shitting all over Buffalo's biggest export, the Bills. Yep. And yeah, the crowd booed him while he shit on the Bills, but they went back to cheering him right after. Then you go to Albany, where I was at, and that crowd stood on the feet. The people in the stands, in the seats, were standing while the man was fucking talking. Yeah. And he got a thunderous applause there, and I was there for it. Fast forward, what makes you think that he's a heel? He's a heel in the fact of cutting promos, and you don't want to change him, but he's a heel at this point in juncture the way that Steve Austin was a heel. Because Steve Austin, I will argue this, everybody will say he's in the gray area. He wasn't. If you think about it, Stone Cold did all the things that a heel does his entire baby face run. Mm-hmm. All the things. He swore, he beat people up, he interfered in matches, he cheated to win. That's all things that a heel does, right? Yeah. Here it comes, but people cheered him. This is what MJF is going through right now. He is becoming the you know, a word that I know our good friend Ron hates, 
anti-hero yeah. of wrestling, but it's true. That's the whole point with this, and nobody is realizing that at AEW's booking, in my opinion. I'm with you on this, because the fact he came out, you you fed him Wheeler, which I'm sorry. Wheeler is a great wrestler, got a big future in this business. However, promo skills is somewhere that he sorely needs help with. Sorely. What, are we going to feed him Daniel Garcia next, which I hope not? I hope not either. Because both these kids are, are future champions in the business. Yeah. Because they're both amazing wrestlers in the ring. Can they get better on the mic? Absolutely. They might. They might not. But you know what? Kurt Angle was never tremendously good on the mic. He still had a hell of a career. Eddie Guerrero was was good, decent on the mic, but I wasn't wouldn't say great. But he still was a hell of a wrestler and had a career. There's a lot of guys. He who shall be not named mm-hmm. <laughs> was amazing in the ring and was the shits on the microphone. Yeah, th- and and he had you know other than what he did in his personal life, he had an amazing career. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Wheeler and Daniel can't have these great careers. They're great technical wrestlers. They're the next coming of guys like Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. However, you shouldn't be putting out them out there to joust with the king of the microphone. That's just stupid. This reminded me of when The Rock tore down Billy Gunn. Yes. On that Raw. This it was absolutely deja vu. If you haven't seen that, <laughs> go search YouTube for that. You can definitely find that one. And if you remember what happened there, Billy Gunn won the King of the Ring. At the time, the King of the Ring winner would get a title shot at mm-hmm. SummerSlam. That ended that year because once he won the King of the Ring, the next night on Raw, The Rock eviscerated him so bad on the microphone that they went, no, there's no way he can have a match against him. Yeah. There's no way because The Rock literally went out there and did what The Rock does. Do I blame The Rock for burying Billy Gunn? Absolutely not because you're asking him to go out there and do what he does. The same way I do not blame MJF for burying Wheeler Yuta. Why? Because you're asking the man to go out there and do what he does better than most of the people on this planet and that is get on a microphone and eviscerate somebody. That is what the crowd wants to see. The crowd doesn't want to see half-assed MJF on the microphone. Mm -hmm. The crowd wants to see take no prisoners, bury the fuck out of whoever I have to bury, MJF. And that's what they get each and every time. That's the one consistency that you will always get with Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. My thing is, booking-wise, this was a booking mistake. Because now, yeah, Wheel, you know, Wheeler Yuta's great in the ring, but I don't need to see him versus MJF. Because oh, now, no. because you're not going to let him beat MJF, so MJF's going to win. So now MJF will have a victory in the ring and just eviscerate him on the mic, and that buries the kid under the rubble but you know that's where they're going unfortunately in fact i know the preview for next week's dynamite coming up in a couple days is mjf is going to speak and i'm fearing fearing they're going to have wheeler trying to come out to save face again and try having a promo battle with him the only person from the blackpool combat club that should be coming out to say anything to mjf is john moxley yes the AEW world champion we'll get to that in a minute but that is the only person because he's the only person that can verbally spar with him not even Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, whatever you want to call him, I want yeah. reverted. There's the Freudian slip, is going to be able to spar with Maxwell Jacob Friedman. I'm, and that's not a dissing on it, because Bryan Danielson is one of the greatest wrestlers to ever lace them up, mm-hmm. period. And he is entertaining in his own right. But remember what happened when the Miz shot on him. Uh-huh, talking smack. Remember, that is a moment that lives in infamy, because that is the moment where the people who even hated the Miz up to that point and called him names went, Holy shit, he can destroy anybody he wants on the mic whenever he wants. Yes. That is MJF. Only MJF has no filter. MJF has nobody pulling the reins that tell him he can't do it. 
Because at this point in juncture, and this is a credit, believe it or not, this is not me shitting on Tony Khan. This is actually a credit to Tony Khan. Tony Khan says maybe, hey, don't say this or that. But you know what? Go out there, kid, and do whatever the fuck you want. And that is a credit to him because that's he's a wild stallion on that microphone. You have to let him run. The same way WWE back in the day let The Rock run mm -hmm. is how you have to let him run because that is where you get the best promos from is when you just let them tune themselves up to 11 and cut whatever promo they want. And let it be said in the back, hey, sorry about what I'm going to say out there. Is there something that's really off limits? Because then I, I won't say it. Yeah. I bet you that's the conversation he has with guys. Because, you know, I won't ruin the behind the curtains with MJF, but I guarantee you he has that conversation. Is there anything off limits? Is there anything you do not want me to say? I won't say it because I'm not a dickhead like that. Yeah. However, outside of that, everything's in bounds. And, and that, he goes out there and he does it. And exactly. And that's why everybody was tuning in and marking out about this. So, like I said, the fact you fed him Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler can bounce back from this, but you know what I would do? I would not have to get on the microphone against MJF at all. At all. No. The only person from the Blackpool... Okay, two people. The only Regal. two people, Regal and Moxley. Yeah, have Regal speak for him. Listen, there's no shame in it. There's nothing wrong with it. That's why you have a fucking manager. Exactly. That's why he's there learning from Regal about this. Until recently, why was the wise man with Roman Reigns? Because Good. Roman couldn't cut a fucking promo to save his life. Now... Different story. Roman cuts some great promos, proof of which is what we talked about for SmackDown. But Heyman is still there because he's a member of the bloodline. He is, you know, the wise man. Mm -hmm. So you ain't going to get rid of him. But the original reason to pair him with Roman was because he couldn't talk. The same reason why he was with Brock. Two words. Suffer and succotash. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> Remember, uh, speaking of eviscerating somebody on the mic, John Cena. Mm -hmm. Remember that promo where yep. he said, the reason I have to keep coming back is because you can't get over. Yep. I don't want to come back. I want to make movies. I want to take time off. But you can't get over, and it's forcing me to come back. Exactly. And that was an evisceration, too, mm -hmm. from a way better speaker. And that's because Roman thought he was going to shoot on Cena. Yeah. And unfortunately, you don't shoot at the, you know, uh, the old uh, uh, Roddy Piper saying, don't throw, don't throw stones with a, at a man with a machine gun. Yep. And that's John Cena. And that's the same here. You send out somebody who's too weak on the mic to, to spar with MJF. You're throwing rocks at a man with a machine gun, and he's going to level you. In the ring, it's going to be it would be a great match, but you don't need to have Wheeler. The only thing that Wheeler should have ever said to MJF is like, "Hey, I'm going to defend the honor of the Blackpool Combat Club. Get your ass in the ring and wrestle, and I'll fight you. Mm -hmm. and I'll prove that not only you're not worthy to get to John Moxley, you're not worthy to wrestle any of us." And then have a wrestling match. Yeah, keep it straight, keep it shooter. Let MJF cut the promos. You just tell him to fight, and then go out there and have a good match. That's all they should have done here, and I think that that was a missed opportunity. Now, did I do I think they buried Utes forever? Absolutely no. not. Wheeler Ute is tremendous talent. However, I do believe that it did hurt hurt him a little bit in this case, and probably for a couple weeks. Yeah, like I say, don't have him on the microphone for a couple weeks. I don't even care if he's backstage. Don't let him rebuild himself it's kind of like when you disappear for a little bit and then you come back and the crowd forgets a lot you need to do that with him on the mic because if you put him in a program next week where he has to speak in front of mjf you're going to bury this kid don't do this take my advice well next up we got a match for the aew all atlantic championship your champion the bastard Pac, taking on orange cassidy everybody loves them some orange cassidy i'll tell you what about this match one of the things, let's get it out of the way. Still, your AEW All-Atlantic champion, the Bastard Pac. Here's the problem. 
there was another cheat to fucking win in this match. Mm-hmm. This is the third match of the night. Third match out of five. All three matches cheat to win. Calling it right down the middle. I didn't like four out of five matches on Raw ending with a distraction interference. I definitely do not like three out of five matches on AEW ending ending with cheating. So the first match ends with a kick to the dick. Well, a takeaway uh, bat so you could distract. A kick in the dick for the finish. Mm. Then the second match happens with outside interference from Daddy Ass. Mm-hmm. And then this one is a, a ring, the, the timekeeper's hammer for yeah. the bell upside Orange Cassidy's head, right in front of the referee, too, who was supposed to be turned around. But hey, whatever. Reasons. And then we get the one, two, three. Now, I will granted, they took chicken shit and made it into chicken salad because after this event, Tony Khan, in a scrum, <laughs> being smarter about his scrum this time, said that, hey... There was a lot of rule breaking and a lot of matches ended in ways they shouldn't have. We're really going to look at that and change that going forward. I'm having a meeting with my referees and we'll talk about how that affected Rampage later. So I think that storyline wise, because it was shot in the same night, maybe they did it intentionally because Mm. there's been a lot of criticism on the refereeing in AEW over the years, right? Yep. So maybe this was on purpose, but still as a booker, what leaves a bad taste in the fan's mouth is seeing the same repetitive stuff over and over again. That was my first problem with this match. Speak on that first and I'll give you my second. No, I agree with you. I mean, the match, it goes again too. Is death triangle faces or heels? Because I don't even know at this stage. I don't know. And the thing is, if you're trying to teeter that line like the Attitude Era, it's not coming across well because Orange Cassidy was even kind of playing a heel at some points during this. But to win yet again by another schmaz ending, it like it just it's not doing it. It's just taken away from your title match. And obviously, I thought the crowd got completely killed off in this. That it was like almost like a no reaction. Ready for this though? The crowd was dead for this anyways. Mm-hmm. But you know what didn't help the home audience? Tony Schiavone carrying on about MJF putting his hands on him. Yeah. For on the commentary for most of the match until finally Taz said, hey, let's call the match that's in the ring. Yeah. It was so bad that Taz actually, because you know this wasn't scripted out because they don't. It was so bad that them carrying on about that, Excalibur and Schiavone, that Taz finally, like literally five minutes into this match, goes, hey, there's a match in the ring. We can talk about that later. And, and I'm, I'm very appreciative of Taz for doing that. I understand advancing storylines, don't get me wrong. But when you're literally not talking about a match that's in the ring to talk about how you got beat up by MJF in a storyline, it's not going to pay off because it's not like we're going to get Shivani versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Right. Never going to happen. I think there's a problem there. Well, it was a pay attention to me moment. Like, literally. And, and I just don't like that. Kudos to Taz for saying, hey, just knock it off. Absolutely, because that's the whole thing. You did a service this match. Like, this is probably the worst match of all of Grand Slam. It's nothing against Pac or Cassidy. It really isn't. But the crowd was dead from this because they just popped majorly for MJF. They had really nothing there. And then at home watching, Shivani won't shut up about the fact that MJF laid hands on him. Although, I will say this, and I can't take credit for this. This is going to be actually straight from, uh, I, I don't know if it was a caller on Busted Open or Bully Ray. As you know, I listen every day. Sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't. We agree to disagree. However, I think they missed another opportunity going back now to that promo. Because you know what they should have done if they really wanted to have MJF get a heel, uh, heel response in New York City? What they should have done is after Morrissey comes out and they take down... Uh, Yuda, and then they go after Shivani, and Shivani's down. Taz should have came over and stood up because he can't wrestle, but that's fine. 
He should have stood up in everybody in New York City. They know who the fuck Taz is. Mm -hmm. Taz is a hero. If he would have stood up and said, hey, that's not happening here. You, I could even believe Taz backing down the big man. And the crowd would have popped for Taz standing up and saying, nah, this is not going down. You don't have to have him get physical. Just have him, nah. And then, you know, the two guys pull the chicken shit heel thing. But it doesn't hurt MJF for Morrissey because Taz is known as a badass. Mm -hmm. And it would have made the crowd pop for a face figure because, listen, if you guys don't know, in New York City, Taz is godlike. He's like royalty. Yes. He is one of the greatest wrestlers to ever come out of New York City. Mm -hmm. We all remember that back in the day, especially in Queens, they remember ECW. Yes. And Taz is the, the biggest, one of the biggest stars, probably only behind Rob Van Dam. Mm-hmm. And to ECW fans, I would say some of them would even put Taz at number one. Yeah. There's only a handful of guys that would get a response over MJF. Also, Taz is pretty good on the damn mic, but you don't need him on the mic here. All you need to do is back them down. Because think about it. They just abused a bunch of uh, indie work and security guards. And it, it just didn't look cool. I didn't think that was really the best idea. It should have just been, and then they, they fucked off on their own, which is weird. If you would have had Taz stand up, I think you could have salvaged some face heat for Taz, Yuta, Shivani, because you're putting them all together. And then, of course, MJF could have gotten a little bit of heat for himself. I, I think they should have done that. I, I might have a reason why they didn't. Okay. Because, okay... If Taz does that, he backs him down, obviously, or they, they can't follow up that angle because if they did, MJF and Morrissey would have taken out Taz. Who would have came to Taz's defense? Hook. Exactly. And they're not going to feed Hook to MJF or Morrissey, not at this stage. So I think it's kind of a weird thing. I, I do agree with you because obviously ECW and him in Queens, yeah, he could have walked out there. That place would have exploded. Hook, you could have also brought out Ricky Starks. Yeah, I mean, if you want to try, you know, doing like a actually that would have been a, actually that would have been a great idea. You yeah. bring out Ricky Starks, who if anybody in AEW has a chance to match MJF on the microphone, it's Ricky Starks. Ricky could give him a good run. Ricky, Ricky is going to hold his own. Yeah. Ricky's not going to get dominated and buried. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be a cool match to see to kind of take up some time in a feud because then you know you don't necessarily have to put out Hook. Yeah, because that's the thing. I, that was the only reason I thought they didn't, because because obviously Hook is protected. Like they're not going to do anything. And I think that's smart. Yeah, I've I've come on to that. I think that's very smart what they're doing with Hook. However, I think you could have you missed an opportunity of possibly propelling Ricky Starks to a nice level. Well, that's a whole that different. I think I, yeah, yeah. That I think he's uh, so. But then we're getting into the weeds about what we would have booked. I'm just giving uh, going back thinking about it. I'm giving credit to something I heard. Yeah, and I agree with because I think you could have salvaged some heel heat for MJF. Oh, because at the end of the day, yeah, you want the you know you know you know the crowd's going to cheer him that's fine like i said you got a plan for that but you still want him to get a little bit of heel heat and there's not many people he's going to get heel heat from oh true true that, but that's the only reason i thought they didn't because obviously with hook being tagged with taz and also, that's the only thing as over as ricky starks is there's a possibility you're not gonna get the whole crowd to boot mjf but you could get a portion of the crowd to boo mjf they needed something yeah for for ricky stark so i think that that might if tony guys down in jacksonville if you're hearing me I think that's a good idea. Maybe, maybe give us a program between absolute Ricky Starks and MJF. Ricky Starks fucking deserves it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it'll be a good foil to until you get to where you want to go eventually with MJF. Uh, just in my opinion. But by the way, that should tell you how the Pac and Orange Cassidy match was because of them talking over it and not making it important. I thought it was a decent match. Not great, but decent. And that's how unforgettable it was because that's how they treated it between the screw job uh, finish, which was the third in a row, mm-hmm. and also Shivani half the match. Shivani just talking over and not giving it its due. Yeah, 
And that's how you uh, separate a crowd, ladies and gentlemen. Just throwing it out there. No matter where you are on that fence, you have to understand that that's perception's reality. Yep. Let's talk about the next match, though. Interim women's title match. Your champion, Tony Storm, defending against Athena, Serena Deeb, and Britt Baker. And I'm just going to say it. I know that this is not going to be a popular opinion for some. But I felt horrible for Serena Deeb. Yeah. Because I look in this ring, and I'm like, hey, there is only one wrestler in this ring that I think is worth their weight in salt, and it's Serena Deeb. And yeah, that's not a shot at anybody. But you've heard me say it before. Britt Baker is eh at best. Uh, we haven't seen, you know, let's be honest, Tony Storm, since she's been in AEW, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's phoning it in half the time. And Athena, although Athena has talent and is a very talented worker, she botches a lot. And the problem in this match is her botching caused a at least broken nose for Britt Baker. Yeah. And it's a fucking scary moment. This is something that needs to get addressed. I don't know like how, but I'm right there with you. Like that was an absolutely frightening moment. And I understand stuff happens, but when it's happening, you know, at this kind of a public spotlight, a lot more people are gonna be talking about it. So I don't I don't know how you fix this. I don't know how you fix it either. And I was talking to you last week about, you know, what my live response was, and it wasn't popular. I don't want, I like women's wrestling. No, same here. So everybody who, and if you listen to the show, you know, I've spent a lot of time focused on women's wrestling. I've been a fan of women's wrestling because I've been seeing really good women's wrestling since probably 2008. Mm -hmm. Like the world is kind of catching up to what I got to see then because a lot of the the, the women who are stars now were stars then, and some of them never got their due. Uh, People like Sarah Del Rey, who, yes, is down and she's the co trainer or co-head trainer for uh, WWE down there at the Performance Center, but she's never gotten her due on TV, which is a, a fucking shame because she's one of the best to ever do it. Mercedes Martinez has gotten a little bit of her due, but man, I wish we could have seen when they were in their prime, Sarah Del Rey and Mercedes Martinez, they should have been tearing it up on television and unfortunately didn't. If, if the women's revolution would have happened in 2008, Mm-hmm. Or you know, two thousand between two thousand five and two thousand ten, uh, I think that I think their primes were both like until like two thousand thirteen, I should say. Uh, but if it would have happened back then, we would have been talking about a whole two other women who have been the greatest professional wrestlers that the world's ever seen. Absolutely. If fact. you don't believe me, go back and watch Sarah Del Rey videos and Mercedes Martinez videos, and they weren't in there alone. There was definitely a ton of women out there. I know Allison Danger returned to the ring this past week, mm-hmm. and that's that's amazing because she's one of the all time OGs wrestling, getting it done, and, and and fucking phenomenal. Didn't never got her fucking due. Lefisto. Lefisto obviously never got her due. You know, uh, Portia Perez. Mm-hmm. The Cole Matthews, the uh, the home uh, the home wrecking crew, yep, never got their due. You know, there's a lot of great women's wrestlers. So I love women's wrestling to the core because I know women can wrestle, mm-hmm. and they have been able to forever. And I know that there's more of a spotlight on it now, which I appreciate. But this has been going on for a lot longer in my world. I really feel like this is not the best we had to offer. These four didn't mesh well in a tag match, and yeah. they didn't mesh well in a four way match. And at the end of the day, Tony Storm is still your AEW interim women's champion, but that's not the story of this match. The story of this match is after the match, when we get the beatdown, we get a little uh, falling in reverse. Mm-hmm. And out comes Soraya, formerly known as Paige, to her All Elite Wrestling debut. And getting in the ring, crowd's going nuts, the heels powder out, back off. And we get this great moment, huge pop. How did you feel about the return of Soraya to all elite wrestling Ken M? Did not see this coming. 
Neither did I. Legit did not see this coming. I know I touched upon this a little bit in blogs count anywhere. She'd been released in July. We really haven't heard that much about her and what her future was. Obviously, we knew that she was not doing in-ring work. Uh, and to see her come out, the aesthetic says that she's ready to go if she's coming in that ring and everybody took off. So I don't know what the status is there, but if she is coming back to in-ring competition, I am hoping for the best. She is a phenomenal wrestler that could definitely help AEW out if she's coming back, but I won't know until we actually see her in the ring. And, of course, it came out. There's some reports out there on the dirt sheets that said that uh, she was not medically cleared, and to which Soraya on Twitter took to Twitter and said, you can't believe the lies of these people, including she quote uh, quote tweeted Denise Salisado yeah. to say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought that was a hell of a shot. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, not always smart to bite the hand that feeds out there for AEW, just throwing it out there, but I guess whatever. And here's my thing. Here's my issues. It Was it a cool moment? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But my first question is, A, is she ready to go? And I keep, there was some people instantly on the internet, and I don't know how true it is. They're like, oh, she's been cleared by all these doctors, just not WWE's doctors. And my, my thought process on that is one of those that like, well, where does WWE have the, where, where does it, where does it benefit WWE to have somebody sit the bench? Yeah. They paid her for her contract and she admittingly sat the bench for most of it. Yeah. Like, she was smacked on GM and then right. some commentary stuff on the FX show. Right. Right. And I'm not, and I'm not, this is not shitting on Soraya, by the way, mm-hmm. this is not, no, so no, I don't absolutely want anybody not, no. saying I am. I'm just saying it's fact. They paid her, which is nice of them. They didn't have to, they could have released her at any time, mm-hmm. but they didn't. And here's the thing. After Brian Danielson came back, Daniel Bryan at the time, and after Edge came back, they saw that there was money in bringing people back, and people did talk about Paige coming back. So my point of the matter is, is if she was cleared, if WWE could have cleared her with their medical professionals, then why the fuck wouldn't they and make all that money? Even if she was going to leave the company, they would have had six months to a year to make all the money in the world, mm-hmm. right? Even if she decided to leave after the fact. Yeah, That's the one story that makes me nervous in this situation, because... Everybody's like, oh, there's all these other doctors. Well, you know what? There's doctors that will say that you have whatever fucked up things for the right price. Yeah. So I'm just nervous about that. I don't want, because once again, her neck was as bad as Edge's was. Yeah. Actually worse. And it's a real life thing to have. It's a real problem to have. And God knows, I don't want to see anybody ever get seriously injured. Mm -hmm. And that is my first worry for any performer and any wrestler, somebody who worked in the wrestling business that I did. The last thing you want is to see anybody get injured. And so it makes me nervous. Because once again, I go, okay, maybe WWE doctors were a little harder. But once again, maybe that's for your own good. Yeah. So who knows? Hopefully, she'll come back. She'll get in the ring and she'll be fucking 100% fine. We never have to talk about this in a negative light ever again. This is a big, huge win for the women's division. This is the biggest star that they've ever gotten in their women's division by far. Thousand percent facts. Who, who would you think is the biggest, win? you know, obviously their homegrown built one would be Britt Baker. Mm-hmm. But who is their biggest get to this point? Besides, obviously, they're homegrown in Britt Baker. Thunder Rosa? Maybe. But then again, she's only known for the indies and the NWA stuff. But there was a bill behind her. I would say Athena, technically, or Tony Storm. Because they both came from the machine. Ruby. Ooh, Ruby was... Oh, yeah, because she was on main roster. And mm-hmm. she had some success on the main roster. Yeah. I, I would agree. So this is... And this is no shot because I love Ruby Soho. Oh, absolutely. And I've seen Ruby Soho put on some of the best matches ever back in the day when she was Heidi Loveless mm-hmm. all the way through, uh, you know, being in WWE all the way to now and some of the indie stuff she's been doing lately uh, outside of it. Well, obviously, she's injured now. That's going to play a part here in a second with what we talk about yeah. with the Soraya news. But 
I will say this. Paige, as far as a star, 100 times bigger. Oh, yeah. Paige is like the equivalent of Paige would be like of the male equivalent to that would be if like Seth Rollins showed up on AEW. In my in my estimation, that's a fair statement. No, no, that's fair. Maybe not Roman. Roman Reigns would be bigger. No, no, no. no. Randy Orton bigger, but Seth Rollins Seth, still that's huge a, that's deal. That's a Seth level, yeah. Right, right. Huge, but huge deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We talk game changer. Listen, this is a game changer move, but it just depends. I'm not on, letting AEW botches make fun of me, so I'm never using the terminology. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Game changer, but they can get you on credit for that. Yes. Just take, make sure you edit around me because I ain't part of this. I will say this. She is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I saw that they, they're hitting quote tweets. By the way, I want to throw this out there. For all of you that don't know, AEW botches, if you don't take wrestling too seriously and you're not going to get pissed off, it's all a great ride. Most of it's true and it's funny. And uh, I will say this. They have what they, their ever-evolving game-changer playlist mm-hmm. of all the tweets and stuff that they've compiled in this nice little video that gets longer all the time of the people who are going to be game changers in AEW and then it really become game changers. Yeah. So it's, it's really funny shit. But anyways, so shout outs to those guys. Yes. Yes. Make sure you put Ken M in there. Uh, <laughs> we will take the hit. We love it. Yes. Uh, with that being said though, I, I really do strongly think that this is a great signing for them. However, there's a lot of question marks. A lot, in my opinion, there's a lot of question marks. And here's the other thing that we we, we have to remember. And this is something that's going to be a little taboo for people to talk about. Paige, a.k.a. Soraya, isn't always the best person in the locker room. And what I re- think about this is people don't remember. They remember how she got injured and had to sit out and then all the Twitch, you know, controversy with WWE originally not letting her do it and then, you know, peeling back on that for and all that happy stuff. But people don't remember about remember when she had that little sex tape that came out and remember that uh, the WWE Divas Championship was used as a prop or no, it's the NXT, sorry, Women's Championship was used as a prop in said sex video. Believe yeah. Uh, remember when she what she was able to work? But she stopped showing up to work so she could go hang out at shows with her then-boyfriend, Alberto Del Rio. Mm. Remember how stand-up that guy was, right? But yeah. remember, that went down as well. And then there was other issues that went down that people seem to forget about. So coming off of CM Punk, I'm a bit, little bit leery in the land of all elite. Because I don't think they can take another gigantic locker room hit like that. No, you bring up a good point because I forgot about that. But like I say, I think that right now, they're willing to take that shot because of her star, her star power. Oh, this and, is a great and, signing for them. Yeah, on on the level of the star power, absolutely. Yeah, but it's just a matter of what they're going to get out of her, and if she can't, if she's not clear to wrestle, then I take back my my previous statements because if she can go in the ring, this can definitely make for a marquee matchup for bringing fans in to watch her wrestle against the the top of the their division. Agreed, and we'll talk about this in a minute, because but we've already will say it out there. Soraya is scheduled to be on this week's Dynamite, speaking for the first time. So next week we'll definitely be talking about it. I'm sure we'll talk about it more because we'll give a little preview of Dynamite before we uh, take off this week. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the main event of Dynamite Grand Slam before we kick over to Rampage, and of course it was for the vacant AEW World Championship in the Tournament of Champions final. You had. John Moxley taking on the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. The uh, Blackpool Combat Club exploded, if you will, all over the place. At the end of the day, you're new. And three or four time, depending upon 
whose math you want to go by. AEW World's Champion, John Moxley. Well, some would argue that you could count the interim in that before. Yeah, I'm counting three because that's how many fingers he held up, so I'm going right, to go with right. that. But there's a lot of people on the internet like, hey, technically it's four because we like to forget the interim shit happens. And that's why interim titles are useless. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. But anyways, your three-time and reigning AEW World's Champion. Now, this match... Great match. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal match. I love the psychology of the match. I like the story it told. I like the fact that both guys knew each other inside and out. They've had battles in AEW before. Not to mention the fact they're both in the uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. Thought this was amazing from that standpoint. I did have some dislikes. First of all, why the fuck did they keep showing MJF? And it wasn't just to us at home. Instead of playing the match on the big screen where it'd be easier for people to see the match, yeah, they kept him. putting him on the screen. Now, mm. I understand the crowd pop for and all that happy jazz, but if he's not going to cash in that, that chip, which I've now been told, it is not money in the bank style. He has to claim a match beforehand. So oh, it's not a money in the oh, bank style new. chip. Well, that's what, the, that's what Tony Khan was saying in his press runs. This is not that kind of cash in. So there was no there was no chance of him cashing in it if that's the case. Now once again that could change because let's be honest, everything ebbs and flows in the world of elite. Yeah. But as of right now, it said that this is a for a challenge match only, not that. So then there was no reason to show him. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get that. First and foremost, now, I thought that was a disservice to the match. Not enough to take it down because I thought this match was great. The other thing that I didn't like about this match is they. Keep doing, and this is something that maybe this is just my problem with AEW. They keep always telling us that they're going to go to extra, that we're going to go until this is over. We're going to, but it always stops at 10 o'clock. If any time to go over it was this match, and here's why they went into the finish and the final part of the match and had to cut because they literally were butted right up against 10 o'clock because there was bad timing, obviously. Mm-hmm. This would have been the one time to go, hey, remember that extra? Let's get five minutes. Yeah. But I don't think it's there. So why say it? That just uh, that once again personal drivers, but no. the match itself was fantastic. Well, the only reason they're saying that, in my opinion, is they want to throw people off and they want to say like, "Oh, well, you, you know, you're not you're going to have to watch because you never know what's going to happen." And it's foolish to do that. But I thought the match was excellent. I really enjoyed it. I didn't like that they kept showing MJF in the sky cam unless they were going to do like a decoy thing and then he comes down and cashes in because I thought the way I heard it, he can cash it in like money in the bank, the bank style. Originally, I thought that was the same, but no. So it's like, what the hell are we doing here? So that I did not understand, but I took nothing away from the match. And obviously being the three-time champ, that's a big deal for Moxley because you wipe away anything Punk did on the record book. So in case he doesn't come back because of reasons, you're cleared there. Absolutely. I Once again, though, I... I want to say this. I don't know if I necessarily like Moxley as champion again. Once again, I think he's the ace of AEW. So don't get that twisted. I think he is AEW's ace. I think he is the guy that they should count on for everything they do because he's the one that's been there, right? Mm -hmm. However, there's just something, something about having a three-time champion in such a short range, especially with Boom Boom with two. And I understand nobody saw the punk shit coming, right? Yeah, But... I just feel like I just feel like this was kind of like a moment where you could have crowned Brian Danielson and had it go there. Now, I understand the argument for some people where it's like, okay, well, if Moxley's just going to lose the belt quickly, which would be stupid to begin with anyways, playing hot potato with a belt is not what we should be doing right now. Mm. To give it to MJF, then I get that point, kind of. However, making Danielson champion, and now we know that it's not a money-in-the-bank style cash-in, or unless that changes again... 
that means that you could still give him a decent run. Because I, I still don't see hot shot in the belt onto MJF either, which if you're going to do that, you should have done it at the end of Dynamite. Which I agree. They, that's what they should have done. But I'm fearing what they're going to do is set up uh, the labors of MJF again. He's going to have to fight through everybody on the uh, retainer firm. And then eventually he'll get to go face MJF. Like, that's when he'll call the shot. It'll be like it'll be something weird like that. But that's what I'm fearing they're doing with this. Because I think they just they don't have, in my eyes, a clear-cut direction where they're going. Because with Moxley getting the belt back, too, and then plus, like depending on what he's doing on the indies, because we know he has a big match with GCW coming up, like, I don't know if that's going to play any factors into it. Yeah, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah. Who knows? So, Well, let's kick over to Rampage. Yes. Shall we? So uh, Rampage opened up with the tag team match with Sting and Darby Allen taking on the House of Black in a no-disqualification match. This match was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sting took a nasty table spot. Jesus Christ, man. 61 years old? Yes. Okay. Later on in the match, we'll talk about, uh, we might as well say now, Julia Hart took a nasty table spot. Yo. Yeah. Yo. Missed the table pretty much. Except for her, her ass hit the edge. Yes. You know, whatever. But the hat's okay. But the most important part of this match, of course, for me being a mark, was Sting gets handcuffed to a chair. And then Sting does something I think he does better than anybody. When he becomes Madman Sting, I love it. Mm -hmm. Because for some reason, he's handcuffed in this chair and he starts laughing like this maniacal laugh, reminding you of Joker Sting from Impact. Yes. And then music hits. And then stuff comes on the board. And then we get treated to, in my opinion, and this is because I'm a mark for this person, is bigger than even Soraya, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Right. The great fucking Muda. The Mo- great Muda comes to the ring. He walks to the ring Muda style. He gets in the ring and it looks and Buddy Matthews gets out of the way because it looks like Muda's going to get some come give some come up and sustain. You know they were rivals, big mm-hmm. time rivalry in the past. Oh my god, yeah, legendary. And then he turns around and we get that green mist in Buddy Matthews' face and he helps Sting and then he gets him out of the chair. We get a good hug and an embrace and they walk off together. And I was just so happy to see uh, great Muda to the point that I've he's the one wrestler. On my bucket list, I've never gotten to see Wrestle that I could get to see Wrestle. And I'm going to probably miss out on this because there's no way for me to get to Japan in January of 2023 uh, as of right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm really kind of crossing my fingers. Tony Khan, you want to buy me off a little bit? Uh, Full Gears in Newark. If for some reason you guys could land him for the match and have a three-on-three or whatever, I will make sure I'm in Newark, New Jersey. Yes. For Full Gear. Just throwing that out there. Completely, but I was a huge fan of this. How did you feel about the return, uh, well, the actual debut, or however you want to put it, of the great Muda and the uh, tag match we saw? Match itself was a little crazy. Uh, Sting doing those top rope table little spots. Uh, man, I, I just I don't know at this age. But Muda coming back, making an appearance, doing the snap leg drop or leg whip, vintage, and looked awesome. Uh, I marked out. But like you, I'm a big Muda fan. I remember him from his feud with Sting in the 90s, WCW. Like, that's vintage Muda. So it was a cool moment to see. And uh, obviously, where we're going with here, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you where we're going. And it's not AEW, but uh, Sting is part of Muda's final match. Oh. They did announce that afterwards. So Sting will be making his long awaited return to Japan uh, in January of 2023 for the Japanese fans out there. That'll be cool. Uh, next up, we had Hook and Axon Bronson defeat Matt Menard and Angelo Parker 2.0. Uh, this is a fun match. I love Axon Bronson. Mm-hmm. Didn't do too much in this match, so it wasn't like a bad Bunny Logan Paul situation. But at the same time, loved the fact that he uh, wrapped uh, him and Hook to the ring. And on top of that, 
he got the victory, uh, both giving the Red Rum submission, of course, formerly known as the Taz mission. Yes. In the middle of the ring to both members of 2.0. How'd you feel about Action Bronson and Hook to defeating 2.0? Fun match. Love the intro. I mean, Hook got a very main event entrance with Action uh, wrapping him to the ring. So it was a cool moment. And I, this was just going to be a fun match anyway. Like, we all knew what we were getting out of this one. All right, next up, we had the team of Wardlow and Samoa Joe defeat Tony Nese and Josh Woods. Good little match. Nothing too, you know, extravagant. At the end of the match, we got a little uh, schmozzing as the heels tried to take out Samoa Joe, but Wardlow came in, and then um, smart Mark Sterling. doesn't. He's not really smart because uh, he got trapped in the ring and got himself a powerbomb, Symphony, mm. to, to have the crowd be happy at the end. Hashtag Warjo. Got the win. I mean, this was pretty much uh, basic by the numbers. We all knew this was going to happen. I don't know if this is going to set up for something, maybe Samoa Joe versus Wardlow down the road, because I wouldn't mind seeing that maybe at full gear. But this match did what it needed to do. Uh, and like I said, would much rather have had Wardlow in a singles match against somebody else. So next up, we had Jungle Boy versus Ray Phoenix. He defeated Ray Phoenix in a really good match. This is probably the best match that I've ever seen Jungle Boy in an AEW. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this stage, should he just go as Jack Perry and just get a new gimmick? Or, you know what, for a while they called him Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Maybe they should just say he's Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Like, the Jungle Boy is in quotation marks as, yeah. a, as a gimmick. Yeah, like like Nature Boy Ric Flair. Like, do something different. Like Because now that you've broken up Jurassic Express and you're going to go in a completely different direction, I think it's time to, to freshen the gimmick up and do something different. Take nothing away from this match, though. This was a phenomenal match. My favorite one on Rampage, bar none. Well, after the match, Chris. And by the way, I'm going to read this straight off a of cage side seats because I think this is funny how they describe Jungle Boy. It says Christian came out during Jungle Celebration. Mm. Uh, as Boy was distracted by his presence, Luchasaurus ambushed him from behind. Christian grabbed the mic and talked shit on the NYC crowd. He focus, focuses on Boy and brags about squashing him at All Out. He said, even though Jungle took out his right arm, Luchasaurus is his right hand of destruction. Christian orders Luchasaurus to end Jungle Boy right now. That leads to a thunderous chokeslam. I love how Cage Side Seats treated it like his first name is Jungle, his last name is Boy. That's pretty cool. But the aftermath stuff was pretty cool, too. To continue on the story, I like the yeah, story. We no, were talking about it. Yeah, storyline's been solid, so hopefully we get something. By the way, we got the announcement that there is going to be a Jericho Appreciation Championship celebration this upcoming week on Dynamite. Chris Jericho explains to Daniel Garcia that they are both champions, so it's for both of them. Interesting, intriguing. What do you think is going to happen this upcoming Wednesday? Even before we get to the preview. I think maybe we're going to have that final breakaway from Daniel Garcia to join the BCC. I think we're setting up for Garcia versus Jericho, and I'm here for it. Well, next up, we got Sammy Guevara defeating Eddie Kingston by referee decision reversal. Basically, this was a one-sided beat the shit out of Sammy Guevara match. And at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. Kingston locks him in and will not let him out. He's in the stretch plum, will not let him out, and he, he they called for the bell because Sammy was out, but then after that, they did the old-fashioned, and this is true. This is, I don't have, there's some people who had the problem with the finish. I didn't have a problem with this finish at all. We've seen it before, and it tells a beautiful story. In this finish, you have a rare, no-decision finish, mm-hmm. where you have a finish where we have Eddie Kingston win. He won't release the hole, so the referee says, hey, because you won't release the hole, we are now reversing the decision. You lost this match because you didn't play by the rules. Where I think this is beautiful storytelling is it seems like, 
in, in AEW, Eddie Kingston gets held back by his emotions. Yeah. It seems like his emotions get the best of him, and he can't get past them. And once again, his emotions, where he could have gotten a big win in his hometown of New York, took the best of him and cost him the match. I dug the story. What did you think? The story works. I mean, obviously, Eddie Kingston is so over with the AEW crowd. He doesn't need a belt. He doesn't need to win a lot. Like, I always refer to him as the Tommy Dreamer of, EC, or of AEW. He's the heart and soul. Like, he is somebody that connects with the fans on that level. So anything he does, they're going to tune in. And when he wins, it's a big moment. And this played well into the storyline they were doing because, obviously, there was the heat going on with him and Sammy. Perfect way to do business, even though you guys don't like each other. And I thought what happened at the end, I mean, Sammy moves on to do some different things, and Eddie is still Eddie, and it's a win-win for everybody. I think we need to find somebody who is going to be his tamer, if you will. I think that Eddie Kingston should turn heel. Hmm. I think what we should do, and not and, and slowly continue to be a face, I think we need to get him a manager or somebody who's like a counselor figure who's a heel to kind of like try to reel him in, and as he starts winning matches... He starts to trust the process and becomes a heel. I think that would be a great storyline. Once again, I'm giving out gold here. I was just trying to think who is the psychiatrist from Team Hell No. Oh, that'd be cool to kind of get something like that back. But even like, I don't know. I I, I just don't know who to do it now. Because I wanted, I, you know, originally I would say somebody like Stokely Hathaway, yeah, but I don't I see it's... him joining a faction for hire. I think it should be somebody one-on-one. Maybe even bring somebody in for it. Because I think that would be a really cool segment to have somebody kind of turn him heel. And as he doesn't really want to be a heel, but he likes the fact that it's focusing him. And then over time, it just makes a turn. Homicide? Could. Could do that. Could do it. I don't know what he's up to, but homicide would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Let's move on in the card. Next up, the TBS title was on the line. Jade Cargill, your champion, retains the title as she defeated Diamante with Trina in her corner. So, yes, if you guys don't remember late 90s, early 2000s, Crunk music mm-hmm. from Miami. Yes, that Trina from Slip and Slide Records. By the way, also we found out on Wednesday Trina was the person from the 305 that we did not guess. Mm-hmm. How could we have? Also on uh, Wednesday we had Fabulous, who I had to take a double check at to make sure it was Fabulous. Yep. And DJ Who Kid, who, who might have been Woo Kid, it might have not been Woo Kid because he was covered up. So you call you can see his eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to throw it out there. Nyla Rose, giving her a shout-out on Twitter, said, wait a minute, we got Fabulous, we got Woo Kid, we got Trina, we've had other people on the show. Are, is the next AEW game going to be Def Jam Vendetta, the sequel? Amazing. I was like, I'm fucking in. I love fucking that game. In. I love that game. Thank you for Nyla Rose. Great follow. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Jade made pretty quick work at Diamante. She got some offense in, but at the end of the day, Trina also turned on Diamante to show that she's yeah. a baddie. Yeah. I... It was what it was. Next was your golden ticket battle royal. And this was a fucking clusterfuck. Let's just call it what it was. First of all, it starts with a brawl that went into picture and picture with no explanation. So it's fucking weird. And then we come back and everybody's in the ring and we start getting a normal battle royal, which is fine. It's a battle royal. Battle royal is a battle royal is a battle royal. At the end of the day, no shocker, Hangman Page wins. Once again, my problem with the booking right now. For years and years and years, we heard a lot of people talk about how WWE just booked the same shit over and over and over again, which they did. Mm-hmm. And we all complained about it, myself included. Yeah. Now they're giving us a little freshness and it's paying off. What's AEW doing? Booking the same shit over and over and over again because we've seen Hangman Page versus John Moxley for the AEW title before. Yeah. We've seen it a few times now. Now we're going to see it again. 
when they could have taken the opportunity to get anybody else in the world a fucking shot. And that's what irritates me there. The whole thing about this, how it read to me, and just my opinion about this, is I think this is their way of committing to Adam Page about being in the main event scene. I know it sounds weird, but I think this is where they're going with it. Because I agree with you. Same shit, different day. This would have been a perfect opportunity to have a one-off match with somebody that you want to test out and really see, okay, maybe they can hang on the main event scene. This is a, a good limits test. But no, instead we're going back to Adam Page. And do you think Page is going to win? No. I, I, I don't see it happening. I'm sorry. Just it, it, Nothing against him. I think he's great. But I think, no. but I think that time where he was in championship talk with AEW is gone. That's my opinion. I well, think, even if it is, I'm just saying we could have gotten a new challenger in there. Absolutely, you could have got you could have got anybody else who was in that match. Mm-hmm. And could just, have Roosh, yeah, Morrissey, uh, you know, Danhausen. I mean, Danhausen's a little more of a funnier one, but it'd be fun. But still, like anybody. I'm just saying there was a lot of talent in that ring that you could have just given a shot to, just because they're, you know they they're gonna have the same amount of chance to win as Pages, and I think that's zero. And the whole point of it would have been somebody fresh in the ring, which is what is working for the other channel currently. Mm. And I think it's what works for most wrestling fans. Now we're getting stuck again, and I get it. It is kind of, It's also kind of an apology to Paige. Oh, well, you ate a lot of shit, so let's give you a title shot. Yeah, but what's it going to do if you're not going to cash in that belt? And then you're not going to do that because unless you set that up that he's going to be the one to take the pin from MJF, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And then we're playing real hot potato. Exactly. So it's real like I just thought this was a waste of a match. Well, we had our main event last, and it was a lights-out match, and we know how much we love those. Ricky Starks defeated Powerhouse Hobbs in a lights-out match. By the way, I know I made a joke about it, but this was probably their best lights-out match in, in, in AEW. Oh, absolutely. And I enjoyed this match. I enjoy where Hobbs is. I enjoy Starks. I think they're both, once again, these are guys who should be in your TNT title picture. Hell, even the world title picture. I could see uh, Powerhouse Hobbs getting a fucking title shot uh, for the AEW world title right now. Right now, mm-hmm. maybe not winning it, but I could see him being a, 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 a like he's a, a believable contender. Believable contender for that belt. I agree. And I would love to see a program between Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow, two big beefy men slapping meat. Let's go well, for let's, the TNT title. Why are we not doing that now? Mind you, I'm not offended by Starks versus Hobbs in this match, and I thought they got a much needed victory for Ho- or for Starks here, mm-hmm. a much needed victory, and I like it was definitive. Yeah, that's what they needed to do because Starks has been losing a lot lately. If you're going to get him on that road to push him to be the next big thing, which you should, and I'm not saying big thing as in Brock Lesnar, but let's face it, you have a diamond in the rough that you should be using. He can talk on the mic. He can go in the ring. He is the picture-perfect wrestler to really get behind if you're AEW. Put him in a title picture. Can you? Ha- I can fully see him being the one to take the belt off Wardlow. That's what should happen. Maybe not next week, but it should happen. You re- I'm a fan. I'm yeah, a fan. Yeah, and same thing with Hobbs. Hobbs, you can definitely go and really make something cool happen too. I'd love to see him go and get the belt from Warlow or face Warlow for the belt. I could see him go to Ring of Honor and doing some things there if you really want to try pushing that. If it's going to be its own separate show, but if not, you have two very talented wrestlers here that are on the verge of breaking out. Now is the time. Their feud is done. Go do something with them. I already offered it up. I think Ricky Starks would be a good foil for MJF if you're holding off on him getting a title shot right away. Mm -hmm. If you're holding off on him cashing in, he needs to be busy between now and then. 
Ricky Starks is perfect. Ricky Starks can uh, can spar with him on the microphone, and I bet they can have great matches. Yes. So I think that that would be a good way, and it also solidifies Ricky Starks because perception is reality in wrestling. We always say that. Mm -hmm. It it makes him an upper guy, upper mid-card to main event level guy if he's in there because perception is reality, and that's where he should be anyways. He should be on that upper mid-card to main event if you want to put him in in a zone. As far as Powerhouse Hobbs, it is an injustice if he doesn't go on to have a feud with Wardlow at this point. Absolutely. It is a fucking injustice because Hobbs is getting it done. He's gotten better on the mic, and he's as good as a big man needs to be on a mic, and he's a beast in that ring, and he's very capable in that ring. I would like to see a more strong finish than that uh, spine buster from him, though. I'd like to see him develop a better finish, if you will. No, I agree with you. I think he's got to get something. But that's, that's the only thing that I would really – you know, change about him. But I think that him versus Wardlow in a TNT title feud is perfect for the near future. Give me Starks versus MJF until MJF cashes in. I think those are two good things. Maybe they'll follow that. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Probably not. It's hard to say. Well, with that being said, Let's talk about this upcoming week on Dynamite because we do know a couple things happening. We already mentioned we are going to get to hear on the microphone for the first time in all the wrestling Soraya. What are you expecting her to sound like on the microphone this week? Kadem. I could see her maybe drop in some subtle shots. I think that she's going to give us a, maybe a yes or no if, if and when she's coming back in the ring. I think that she'll kind of tease something there. I wouldn't doubt them setting up a program maybe with Britt Baker right off the bat even though I think that would not be the good idea to do. I'd mm-hmm. much rather see her go first against Serena Deeb, where you know if, if Soraya's not 100%, at least Deeb can get a 100% match out of it. Yes. That I feel like if I'm looking at everybody on the roster between her and Madison Rain, I think that would be a good match to start with. And I think that you know she's going to definitely solidify like what is the real temp in the room, if she's back and what she could do to AEW. Or if she's going to tease like, well, you know, I'll be back sooner than you think. Or we'll get a status update as the easiest bet. Uh, I agree. Uh, next up, let's talk, stay with talking promos here. We're going to get MJF making some statements. Uh, maybe giving us a little more of a picture of when he might decide to cash in that chip. Probably not. But uh, I'm also hoping that we don't get another Wheeler U deciding. In my opinion, that would be a mistake. Better off to have it be William Regal or the AEW World Champion John Moxley. Uh, what are you thinking about MJF's promo coming up on Dynamite that's already announced? He's going to rip Moxley apart, and then Wheeler's going to come running down, not on the mic, thank God, and try jumping him, and then you're going to see Morrissey or somebody from the firm come in, and they'll set up a feud there. Okay, I, I can dig that. Uh, next up, we'll stick with also talking in the last talking segment that they have announced so far, and that, of course, is the Jericho Appreciation celebration uh because that's what they're calling it jericho appreciation championship celebration Mm -hmm. sorry i missed the c in there so the j-a-c-c and of course this is not just for chris jericho this is also for daniel garcia according to chris jericho i uh, like your take earlier you think that uh, this might be the final straw for daniel garcia yeah i think he's gonna finally get fed up and walk and this is when they turn on him and i don't know if they would put somebody else in his spot maybe sammy guevara because i mean how big is the j-a-s and then you could do a Sammy versus Daniel feud. It's really weird, though, because Sammy had a real cryptic Instagram message. Yeah, I'm not buying any of that. I don't, I'm not buying it either. I don't think he's going anywhere. But yeah. uh, it was just kind of a weird cryptic fucking Instagram. And you're like, why? I, I just think maybe it's more his blogs going away. Maybe. Could be. Maybe it's too hard to do now that he's a married man and uh, uh, wrestling every week. We do got a big match coming up, though. In an AEW World Championship Eliminator match, your AEW World Champion, the fighting champion himself, the ace of all elite wrestling, 
John Moxley is going to go one-on-one with New Japan Pro Wrestling star, former New Japan United States champion even, Rock Hard Juice Robinson. By the way, that's the last rock hard I'm going to get out tonight because that, that hurt the voice a little bit. Yeah. With that being said, Ken M., how do you feel about this Eliminator match between Juice Robinson and John Moxley? Hate the Eliminator match concept, but I love this match. Anytime you get Juice Robinson on screen, it's awesome. See, I'm going to go in the opposite direction of you. I actually like the Eliminator match philosophy, and I love how Moxley uses it. Because not every Tom, Dick, and Harry should get a shot at the AEW Championship. Although, I like the fact that because of these Eliminator matches, it makes Moxley feel like a fighting champion. Mm. So... You should have to earn a shot, but at the same time, we should have a fighting champion, which is good for business. So this is the best of both worlds. You have to beat the champion to get a shot at the champion. Now, I think that there should be more to the number one contenders match, maybe somebody else. But I do like the fact that we get to see more of Moxley this way. Because think about it. Are you going to give Juice Robinson, even though he's had a decent career in New Japan, an AEW world title shot on his first walk into the company? No, I would have done non-title, but that's how I... Well, you can call it non-title, but I like the fact that if you put an Eliminator match in there, it makes it feel like it's more important. I just hope if they continue to do this, at some point we get a win. Yeah, that's the thing. you got to have somebody get a win. You know, maybe it might happen this week. You never know. Maybe MJF causes a distraction, which I'm tired of seeing distractions, but never know. Juice Robinson gets a roll-up, and then we get a Juice Robinson versus John Moxley for the title next week or whenever. I mean, that would be something. So I'm, I'm just saying it could happen. I think that this is the feud where you might see somebody get a cheap victory mm-hmm. over Moxley. But I do like the concept based on the fact that we get to see John Moxley wrestle more. And let's be honest, that's what's best for business. Yes, I agree. So exciting week on AEW Dynamite. Hopefully everybody's tuning in. Hopefully everybody, you know, is, is like us and likes to watch as much good wrestling as possible. If you're not watching football Monday night, Monday night Raw's shaping up to be a great event. Three great matches already announced. And of course... Let's see where the saga with the White Rabbit goes next. And, of course, Friday Night SmackDown also won huge match announced. Once again, Dave Meltzer even gave it five stars. You know how good a WWE match has to be for Dave Meltzer to give it five stars, Ken M? It has to be amazing. It would have to be a 10-star match in the Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. That's how much. And let me throw it out there. Once again, let me say this for the people in the back because we got some positive, never no negative, but some positive stuff about what we said about PWI including for some people from PWI. Oh. And I want to throw this out there. We appreciate you guys and your opinion. Same way as I will say this. Do I think Uncle Dave is full of shit? Absolutely. Do I enjoy his, sometimes when I'm down, do I enjoy him fighting back and forth with with Raj or whoever else about shit that's like dumb and he's pulling out of his ass? You know, yeah, I can get a kick out of it. But here's the thing. I don't shit on his five-star ratings. You know Why? Because it's his opinion. I was going to say. It's and his. if he thinks something six stars, seven stars, five stars, whatever, that is his opinion of the match. Sometimes I wish that he would be a little more honest because there's no way you can tell me that uh, that uh, street fight between the proud and the powerful and the best friends deserve to be a five-star match on any fucking planet during oh, the I pandemic. Agree. I fully agree. But once again, that's my opinion against his opinion. So I maybe he's not taking it from, but that's not my job. And anybody out there that gets mad that Dave Meltzer doesn't rate your favorite match a five-star match, it doesn't fucking matter what Dave Who Meltzer cares? thinks. You know what? If you think it's a five-star match, it's a five-star match. If he thinks something's a five-star match, it's a five-star match. If you agree with Dave Meltzer, that's fine. If you disagree with him, that's fine. Once again, it's an opinion. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a nice thank you note from Dave Meltzer this week, which is weird, but it does happen occasionally. That's cool. <laughs> because 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 I'm saying this in a nice way. Uncle Dave, for all the shit I can give him, and trust me, there's enough shit to give the man, mm-hmm. 
I will say this, guys, don't treat his star rankings like a gospel. He even says it. It's his fucking opinion. That's the whole thing. We get so caught up in what other people think that it's like you don't realize that's their call. You don't have to agree with it. And if you don't, then don't. But you don't got to go shit on them about it. Just enjoy being a fan. Enjoy what you like and watch what you like. And the other thing about it is, is straight out. The fact that his opinion is what his opinion is is fine, and there is a little weight to it because he has a following, but that doesn't mean you have to think it's the end-all be-all, and I'll give him all the credit in the world. He says the same thing. Mm -hmm. The only thing I will say about you know Seamus and Gunther had to be fucking phenomenal at uh, Clash of the Castle is because he's very hard on WWE. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And that's been noticeable. And I mean, he can explain that away however he wants. Once again, it's his opinion. I don't give a fuck. But that's how you know this match is great. And the fact that they're running it back on Friday on SmackDown... That's phenomenal for the fans. It's a big bucket of win for us, and it's going to be a big bucket of win for World Wrestling Entertainment. And once again, the most important thing to myself and Ken M is being a fan in fandom. That's why I tune into IWTV and I see great shows by West Coast Pro that you can go back and rewatch right now on independentwrestling.tv. There's also a tournament up there from Black Label Pro, which is really good. Shout out to our, our big homie, Joshua Bishop, on taking down the Graps tournament. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Congrats. He deserves it all. Baby Sid, get, get familiar with Joshua Bishop because somebody should gobble his ass up because he's he's a tr- phenomenal young talent. Also, you know, there's a bunch of customers. I know that our good friends at Glory Pro Wrestling mm-hmm. threw a show as we were recording tonight. We can go back and watch it. You know what? You can watch it for absolutely free. Glory Pro Live on YouTube. Just subscribe and watch. You can find something new. They had a great card going on. And, you know, we usually do the mid-card, but as you can tell, we are still at the two-hour mark talking about this huge show. So we're going to have to try to figure out how we can uh, shape everything into a more timely fashion, and maybe that will lead to a secondary show. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Stay tuned. To cover our indies, so stay tuned. Guys, tune into the independent wrestling. Love pro wrestling. Love what you love. Don't watch what you hate. There is not enough time on this planet to be upset about dumb shit is all I'm saying. And if you're like me and Ken M right now, I rode high. Raw for me was a little on the, it was a little average. Mm -hmm. I didn't like some things as you heard me say about earlier, but it was a little average, but still good enough that I was, I didn't regret watching it. Dynamite, Grand Slam and Rampage Grand Slam, as you heard, there was things I didn't like necessarily, but you know what? Overall, I thought it was two big wins for AEW. Yeah. And I thought SmackDown was a phenomenal show with one of the best storyline driven in the planet with the bloodline the storyline. Fucking amazing. And I can't wait to see where we're going with the whole white rabbit and everything else. So wrestling right now, plus you add in the indies, and I'm over the fucking moon, folks. Man. It's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. I hope you guys feel the same way. Ken M, though, it is time for us to say goodbye. So it is time for you to tell these fans one more time where to find the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join the conversation on social media accounts. You can all find them right there. If not, at ODPH podcast on most platforms. T Public Store, Patreon, $1 or one tier, $2. Gets you a whole lot of content on the way when we get back from New York Comic Con. Parlay Points, New Blocks County, we're talking more pro wrestling. So if you want more, more, more content, simply go find it at odphpodcast.com. You know what? 3FN Podcast, you already know. 3FNpodcast.com. That's why we did that shit because it made it so much easier. Yes. Go there. There's a page for 3FN Podcast. There's a page for 607TWS. There's a friend of the show page that'll take you right over to the ODPH as well. We also got our links to the T Public. Thank you for some people buying the new swag. Uh, the sale is off, but keep your eyes posted for when the next sale comes up because uh, I prefer you guys to buy it on sale. I'm not here to make a ton of money off of it. I just like to see the swag in the wild. Mm-hmm. I know Ken M feels the same way. So keep your eyes posted on all of 
our social medias because we make sure that we put it out there to give you the best opportunity to buy said said merchandise. Uh, on top of that, also, we have a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash 3FMpodcast. The link is on the website. Little is $1 a month. Gives you a ton of extra bonus content. Check that shit out as well. We got some shows coming out this week for the patrons. You're going to want to be a part of that. On top of all of that, there is the musical directory on our page that takes you to bands like Floodlands, who does the song you hear each and every week to open the show. And it also takes you to our good friend Second Suitor, who do the song that you hear each and every week at the end of the show to take you out of this show called One Winged Angel. And there's more bands on there as well. Make sure you stop in, check out those bands, and support them on YouTube, Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And last but certainly not least, there's a local sponsor section who help us bring the show to you each and every week without commercial breaks. And guess what? Giving a big shout out to the person who powers all of 607 Podcasts and the 3FN Podcast. And that, of course, is Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. With that being said, we have come to the end of this week's 607 TWS. We'll be back next week to talk about the recap of the week that was in World Wrestling Entertainment and All Elite Wrestling and some indie news, New Japan news, and whatever else jumps out there. This was a big week for AEW and WWE, so we had to give them the center stage. Cannot wait to see all of you, or I won't see you, but you know. We're be a with part you of on, your lives. Yeah, we're with you on social media. There you go. Until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later wrestling fans. If you take my hand, we could order Chinese food, get high, and then watch New Japan. Rainmaker, my heart so damn hard I can no longer stand in this room I'm starting to swoon The walls made of neon But I can't stop looking at you Looking at you And I've got a To shatter the hourglass emptying all of the sand This moment is infinite dancing along with the band Will you sing with only one wing The angel I've looked for and she can't stop looking Yeah,
towards me A smile I see Connect from the top ropes One 